the White House, President Eisenhower signs the proclamation that makes Alaska's entry into the Union official, nearly 92 years after Lincoln's Secretary of State bought the territory from the Russian Tsar for $7 million. The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Barney Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. The exclusive home of Frontier Gear, built for the rugged Alaskan terrain. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor needs. Visit Barney's today at 906 West Northern Lights. Big Rays, the Alaskan outfitter, committed to outfitting Alaskans across the state since 1947. Whether you're a recreator, parent, guide, or corporate buyer, Big Rays has the gear you need tailored for Alaska's harsh conditions. Check out their new exclusive line of Aurolic waders. Big Rays for all your outdoor gear and rugged work attire. BigRays.com. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services. Helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products, providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. TheTreehouseAK.com located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation, with exclusive products such as their sugar wax, full spectrum diamond sauce cards, and more. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older, keep out of the reach of children, and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Lawn Pro AK, Alaska's year-round professional property maintenance team. Services include weekly lawn care, custom landscaping, fertilizing, weed control, turf repair, and more. Schedule your free estimate at lawnproak.com. Alaska's OG Cider Company, Double Shovel, crafting gluten-free colonial-style ciders, founded as a healthier non-inflammatory brew option. Drop by their pop and tap room in Anchorage off of 58th and Arctic or visit the second location in Kodiak. Double Shovel, award-winning ciders. Alaska Mining and Diving Supply, located in Anchorage, is our go-to for powder sleds and utility rigs. Whether you're in the mountains with the flat bill bros, running trap lines, or hauling freight, they have the selection to get you dialed from peaks to the valleys. Find them on Commercial Drive or akmining.com. He was. He couldn't hear anything. He was. Hey, Lou. He was oh. saying that you look like you look like a coach. Yeah, you're a coach. I like, like yeah, I coach you, a lot. You got a coach vibe to you. Totally. I played, ba- I played baseball in college, but I uh, I coach gymnastics, wrestling, and uh, basketball, gymnastics, and wrestling. You didn't coach baseball. No, there's, football and baseball affected hunting. Oh yeah, first, that's first right. question. Ah, uh, very smart. First, yeah. first question. Very smart. Can you dunk? No, <laughs> I, I could grab the rim with my fingers, but I've had both knees replaced, and I wanted to hold off until they had springs so I could dunk. 
that, that's coming out in 2027. Is, yeah. yeah. The only yeah. problem is when you get up there, you got to come down. So yeah, that's, <laughs> that's right. true. The down you, coming down is usually the they worst. They put the right? cushion on your heel too. So when you come down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got springs and impact pads or something. Right. <laughs> Man, that'd be cool. So Lou, Lou is one of the incredible people that I've mentioned to all of you guys probably in the last couple of weeks that had a double knee replacement right. at the same time. Wow. And as listeners know, I just had mine done six weeks ago and I cannot begin to imagine both at the same time for the amount of help I needed and the amount of pain that I was in. I mean, I can't, I don't see how you double that. Well, guys, when I was in college, they never told us that you could wear your body parts out. And uh, I wanted to be a PE teacher and a coach. And so when I first started coaching and teaching, uh, I exercised every class every day. And uh, so I could run a sheep down almost. And uh, the only problem is I learned not too far down the road that, you know, uh, you go home and you're, you die. You, mm. you do that all day long. And then, so I just started uh, running with my teams and stuff like that and, and wrestling and different things. So it keeps you in good shape. But uh, I've wore, I could do 50, over 50 pull-ups at one time when I was doing gymnastics. And I wore my shoulders out. So in 62 and 64, I had my shoulders replaced. And then I mm. got back up to where I could do thir uh, over 30 pull-ups. But about two years ago, I realized that I'm starting to wear the titanium out, so I, uh, <laughs> I backed off on the pull-ups. And uh, so uh, I want it to last at least till I'm through sheep hunting. And I don't, yeah. Uh, so That's why I got <laughs> mine, sure so, I can, be. so I can go sheep hunting again. <laughs> and the knees, uh, you know, I think the rehab is really important. And uh, and you got to push mm. through the pain. I mean, there's going to be pain. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and the swelling, of course, the first week or so you have to uh, get those machines and they keep your working and the icing and all that but then after that every day you got to get up and keep going because you got to get that uh, oh, that stuff that starts setting in there what do you call that scar uh, tissue scar tissue yeah thank yep. you if you don't break that loose that stuff will set up I, i've seen people mm. that they're it didn't do me good to have knee replacement because they they stiffen up right and so they weren't active enough exactly yeah yep. so once you break that loose and keep it going you, you know it takes it probably takes three months before you feeling, uh, you know, you don't feel so much pain. But uh, six months is really good. After a year, you know, you just yeah. full sand. I was walking two. It. I was walking five miles in two weeks, but uh, oh. you just have to, you know. And you were walking on those knees. Oh yeah, for five, five miles. miles. Mm -hmm. They tell you not to do that. No, they told me not to do that. Well, that's weird. Um, it worked out though. <laughs> yeah, whatever you that, did, the outlander, outlier, I, the outlier. I was say, there I you take go. Take Lou for a guy who kind of says, "Don't tell me I can't do something." <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna go for it. Yeah. Don't kill any That's big good. sheep, man. I'm old school. <laughs> yeah. So his knee replacements probably weren't what you did, though. Would they've been a different procedure? No, it's probably the same. I have a, stri a striker is what they put in mind. They same. They actually same. This guy here was the only one in the state at the time that did it two years ago. Oh, okay. And they line so you up, and they put a screw in the bottom two years, and okay. uh, and line your thing up so the guy's sitting back there robotically doing it, yep. and uh, and so you get the exact angle and everything because they mm -hmm. saw that bone off. Okay, yeah, and then you they had put, the same thing, yeah, yeah. Wow. We actually, two at the same yeah. Time. But he told two. me just to go ahead and work hard on. It. He said, uh, "I don't know how long it'll last. If it lasts twenty years, I'll I'm gonna be I'm seventy eight now. I'll be ninety eight. That'll then. be a win. <laughs> yeah." <laughs> I'm curious how how does it feel with the um the titanium in the shoulder going out? Is it a different sensation? Well, sometimes I'll, I'll start to reach up for something and it'll catch, and mm. that was what I was doing before. Yeah, I don't have the pain before I got this so bad that I, my arm would 
fall out of joint. Mm-hmm. And I never noticed it doing that, but they asked me if I had had uh, uh, dislocations before. Well, I never had a dislocation at all. It just wore out. So the ball, instead of being round, it had gone down to flat, and that stuff that it had uh, worn down had formed a stalactite down on the bottom of it. Uh, and so it was, it was painful. I, 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 I'd have to put my arm up on uh, t- to do lat pulls. I got couldn't do pull ups anymore, and so I'd put it up there and grab a hold, and I'd pull down 150 pounds uh, or 20 pounds or something like that. 120 pounds for about uh, you know 25 times, and it hurt doing it, but it always felt better afterwards. And so when I went for the surgery, the guy said, "Well, you know, the fact that you've kept the muscle pretty good, uh, you know, kept working out." is you know it was beneficial because uh otherwise if you let that go it just atrophies and, oh yeah uh, oh, right so anyway it took three months i couldn't do anything because he had to take one of the rotator uh, cuff heads off so put about a four inch deal in here like this Oof. laid it open and he cut the ball off the top then he uh, drove a titanium stud in there and uh, uh it, it it worked out really good it, yeah in six months, I was able to go sheep hunting, and after I got back from sheep hunting, uh, I jumped up and did 20 pull-ups. And uh, so it was, I was afraid to do them right. before that because I was afraid I might tear something up. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. After a year, uh, usually on knees, or I've had two back surgeries, I wore out L2, 3, 3, 4, 4, 5, and 5, S1. Oh, oh they're, goodness. They're, they're all fused. but yeah. uh, Just fully compressed them with all those packouts yep. or what? Uh, yeah, I, but you know, my grandson is 22 years old. You can pull your 22 years old, and I can go down and put my my knuckles on the floor, and he can just barely go about half between his knees and his ankles. Yeah. So I've always worked go. on uh, flexibility, uh, you know, yeah. stretching and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, to me, that's important. Uh, yeah. yeah, absolutely. So two two knees, two shoulders, two back. Yeah. What else? That's it. <laughs> uh, I don't want to. That's plenty. I actually, I was a little bit concerned <clears throat> because uh, when you're not really doing a lot to begin with and if you wore your knees out and your shoulders out you think well is how's my hips you know mm, right because i know a lot of guys that are having hip surgery and, and playing basketball and, and stuff is hard on your hips yeah so i um they were doing this uh, all these x-rays anyway and so i said okay uh, how are my hips and the guy looked at it and he said well uh, you know you, you can see in there there's still cartilage and stuff in there so i don't think you're gonna have any hip problems so i was yeah Nice. Glad about that. Yeah. <laughs> well, I would think with the heavy backpacks for so long and they sit on your hip. Mm-hmm. I wondered about that. We'll see if you have a lot of the weight. Uh, I think you need a lot of it down. You don't want it on your shoulders, compressing down on your back. Um, and of course, the hips uh, would be carrying majority of the weight, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 I wonder about that. I wonder if it makes it stronger though. Well, you know, I, I think versus the, wearing it out. I think that a lot of it has to do. You need to stay in shape year round. You know, I, uh, I I've got a, uh, I exercise. I got a weight machine and a machine and all the different things that I do uh, downstairs. I lift weights one day. I run the stairs the next, and then I uh, take a day, day. Well, I take a day off, but I walk uh, five miles, and then I start a while. Where Where do you run stairs at? At our house, oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. you got a little stair machine. We no, well, I do have a stair machine, but uh-huh. I, I don't like it. I I prefer run the stairs, so I uh-huh. designed the stairs when we uh, added onto the house. Most people downsize, but I had I'm a collector of stuff. Yeah, and uh, so um, I made it so that I can run the stairs. And um, it's an escalator. No, <laughs> <laughs> only on the way de-es- down. De-escalator. De-escalator. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I can run uh, in thirty minutes. I can run, uh, you know, to the top and back a uh, hundred times. So it gets a pretty good sweat. Yeah. Oh yeah. I bet. I and when I lift going? weights, I uh, you still do that now? Yeah. I don't try to uh, lift really heavy. For instance, I'll bench a hundred, uh, uh, you know, hundred pounds uh, thirty times, and I got a circuit that I run, go through. So I don't, I don't uh, take any break in between. So make it more aerobic. Yeah. And uh, so I got, you know, 10 exercises I go through uh, four times. And so, and I like, I'll do a set of pull-ups. I just do 120 pounds on a lat pull. I go forward grip first time, second, uh, second time reverse grip. And yeah. just keep uh, that and do it 30 times. So it's, you know, it's, it's lifting a lot of weight, but it's over, uh, you know, not, and you need to train, but don't strain. If you're really straining, you can, at my age, I don't, I'm not trying to build muscle i'm just trying to keep the belly yeah. off yeah and uh i like that keep, train don't keep, strain oh, yeah and keep the old ticker, yeah. ticker <clears throat> yeah know, going how old are you right. i'm 78 78 you look amazing yeah no, you got nice. muscle yeah. density you look, still you look fit dude yeah <laughs> i'm getting this sagging skin which you can't do anything about i you know i don't like it but i'm not trying to get a girlfriend so it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> lou i don't think the sheep will mind either i think no it'll be okay <laughs> Well, it's deceiving. They look at me and they say, he can't get up here. (laughs) (laughs) Four minutes later. (laughs) Run you down. Uh, Welcome to Alaska Wild Project, episode 152. Today we have Lou Bradley, the author of Rampages, and uh, a really good looking man. Tell you that right now, you're doing great. Yeah, Yeah, it looks like you could bench 250, no problem. (laughs) No, well... (laughs) Uh, I leave that for the young guys. Yeah. yeah. Do you still get out and hike a bunch? I do. I uh, like to get out and look for horns. I, I carve. I started carving when oh, I retired. Okay. So I like, uh, you know, I look for sheep horns. Uh, most I ever did was 31 days. I uh, covered about 240 miles of glacier. I lost from 187 pounds down to 160. Oh man! <laughs> I come wow. out of there and I and and I, I was cut. Boy, I had these yeah. little hard muscles, but I wasn't as strong. <laughs> As I, you know, probably lift as much weight at one time, but I had endurance up the... I bet. Kazoo. Yeah. <laughs> that got me wondering, because <clears throat> you've been doing it. When was the first sheep hunt? What what year? 69. Whenever they landed on the moon, I was up sheep hunting. And, uh, tell me tell me what you packed for food-wise then compared to what you do now. Okay. Well, that first one was, uh, you know, it's always a learning experience. <clears throat> and I was in the uh, military at the time, and all these guys uh, were younger than me, and uh, most of them. And uh, <clears throat> some of them thought they were, you know, college graduates thought they were pretty smart, but I could whip most of them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, they used to give me gas, and and because I was buying a, a spotting scope and uh, and uh, and different things, and of course, I couldn't afford that good of stuff and and i was my first backpack was from gary king's and it was a uh, uh, uh camp trails and with that canvas uh thing no belt uh it had uh, fully framed yeah no no, thing. no frame on the bottom there for a shelf or anything like that no so, belt uh, just the shoulders just the shoulders and you're having to put all everything on the outside because you can't get everything inside you know yeah. uh on that pack so anyway, but you know, when you're young and dumb and strong, it doesn't really make any difference. I guess you uh, you, you don't know what what of course what the, your uh, limit is, or yeah. Well, yeah. back then the the state of the art would would actually been a probably uh, in the '60s was those uh, Kelty packs, you know, mm. and I oh, okay. they were more expensive, and I, I probably still could have gotten one, but I didn't. 
And so uh, I went with that, and it, I got one. Next year, I had a belt, and uh, that was a little bit of improvement. I put a radiator clamps and put a little shelf on the bottom. All right. And uh, first year, I, I, I had uh, Army poncho and an uh, Army sleeping bag with chicken feathers in it. And uh, <laughs> Chicken feathers? Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what I call them. It, it certainly wasn't down. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I burned a hole in it, got it all soaking wet, and had to try to dry it out, and it caught fire it and oh, burned a hole in it and stuff. I use Visqueen a lot. Visqueen's a cheap man's, uh, you know, poor man's tent. Yeah, yeah, and, waterproof. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and then in the food, food, the food, yeah. <coughs> I uh, uh, they had some stuff they had to heat, uh, cook for like twenty minutes. Uh, some stuff back then, uh, like MREs type things. No, or? I didn't use the MREs. I didn't like those very well. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know, some kind of uh, go to the store and get some of these packages and you could boil them up for like 20 minutes and uh, and uh, get some, you know, if, nothing like the freeze dries today. And a lot of people complain about the freeze dries, but I, you know, I, I, I like uh, Mountain House freeze dries. They're, n- they're pretty they're, darn good. They're way better than they were 20 years ago, too. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you've probably seen the full maturation process of. Well, you know, some Back, people packing food, right? I take mean, candy bars, and I took some candy bars and, and different things. But you know, if you're working hard uh, and really covering a lot of ground, you're going to burn. Uh, you're going to probably lose lose a pound a day, mm-hmm. and uh, well, easily, so, yeah. yeah. And uh, so I, I didn't take a. You know, I, you you can't take adequate food. unless you have a plane and can go back to it or something like that. So you you just plan on. Uh, you know, Candy bars, yeah, nuts, starving a little and just bit, snacks, yeah. and being hungry. Yeah, yeah gorp <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. You know, gorp. stuff. Yeah, I like the uh, what do you call those? Uh Candy bars, Snickers. Yeah, oh, yeah. Snickers. oh yeah, oh yeah, that's the number sure. one. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, yeah number one. That's right. So good. And then when you kill a sheep, you just eat, eat the meat. You that's know? right. There you go. Yeah, that's the plan. Uh, tell us about your days in the military in the army. Well, I, uh, you know, like I said, I, I want to get some good training, so I ended up in, um, uh, going through airborne training and then back to the Special Forces. And, uh, you know, it, those guys aren't killers like you think of today. And, you know, I'm sure that the uh, uh, SEALs and stuff like that today are, have some great training. I would never made a SEAL because I, I, I don't swim very good. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like more a mountain, more more, mountain guy. I'm like a yeah, rock You seem kind of dense. Yeah, you might sink a little. Well, in college, I, the worst class I ever took was uh, swimming class. And the guy, that, uh, the instructor, was a college uh, swim class uh, uh, coach. And we had to swim for 30 minutes to get a C. And uh, and a guy cheated for me. Uh, I think I had 27 laps or something like that in 30 minutes. And the guy put me down for 30, so I got a C out of the class. But... <laughs> and it was it was it was brutal. I uh, and you had to thirty laps. That's had, a lot. You had to sit out there and skull, you know, yeah. trying to skull like that, and it's supposed to float on your back, and arch back like that, and, and my my legs would just go like this here, and just just start going down like that, and, and I, I'm hitting the bottom. <laughs> so, just the anchor. None of that above arm above arms above water tread water thing. So, so I was actually pretty lucky because when I got up here. We actually had the weekends off. Uh, and what year was that, Lou? 67. 67, okay. 67 through 70. All and right. uh, so we, we'd we take off and drive clear, you know, up north or clear down on the peninsula. And, and you were uh, stationed? Fishing, uh, Fort Rich. Fort Rich, okay. okay. Yeah, I was in the Army. Okay, U.S. Army, Fort Rich, 1967. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's pretty much what got you up here? <laughs> it, it is. Uh, like I said, I probably would have been in Vietnam when I when I – 
they cut orders on me. And the guy's name was Sergeant Major Booz. You'll never forget that. And the, and, <laughs> yeah, for and sure. the guy that worked with him was Sergeant Dupus. And so, <laughs> oh, no. you know, I'm not making that up. And so they uh, cut orders and sent me to uh, up here. And otherwise, I probably would have went to Vietnam. Everybody went to Vietnam in the orders except for me. And I think two, and one other guy came to Alaska, and two guys went to Korea. And then everybody else went to Vietnam. Mm. Why didn't? Why, why? Why weren't you guys chosen? Well, the, I got orders cut on me. That, like I said, those guys told me, he said, "Son, you don't, you don't really want to go to Vietnam. It's not a, not a good place to be." Mm. You know, and it, 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 you got lucky. I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Wow. So I spent three years up here, and and uh, that's where I got into the sheep hunting. I, I just, I just, it's one of the things I, I grew up deer hunting with my dad, and elk hunting uh, in Oregon. So I was elated to be able to come up here and. Uh, you know, people don't realize, <coughs> but in 1968, uh, I was taking on weekends and going out uh, scouting and looking for sheep. And in Eagle River, uh, unbelievable. Uh, I didn't really count numbers, stuff like that. But in 1970, that would be the year I, I was getting ready to get out. My wife, uh, we ha- she was pregnant, and she lost our first child. So uh, she decided to um, uh, stay up here and hunt with me. Because the guy who was supposed to decided he he wasn't going to stick around. He went back to New York. So uh, we packed up and went up Eagle River. And uh, I we packed uh, she packed 50 pounds, and I had 130. And so we packed going in. Going in? Going in. So when we got to, I was going to spend, uh, that we, we went in three weeks before the season opened. And so I was going uh, oh, wow. to really um, wow. you know, look really? it over and try yeah. to find the biggest thing I could. <clears throat> So we got in there and we put stuff, buried some stuff, run stuff up in a tree, and then we just started going different directions. And uh, mm. Dishwater is uh, the valley before Icicle. Icicle is the uh, is a really hard valley to get into. Uh, the first uh, governor's permit uh, was uh, the guy wanted a one eighty or nothing. I think he paid one hundred and eighty or maybe it was two hundred thousand for that permit. And they took him up Icicle because there was a ram in there that he didn't get, but it washed out in the spring, and it scored uh, 182. And wow. uh, that's where I used to hunt. There's a place up there I call The Rock. And I've taken myself and other people, have uh, taken 18 rams out of there you know, over a 40-year period. And uh, the last guy I took in there, Dr. Menard, a good friend of mine, drew a permit. I, I could never draw a permit for that area. Yeah. But he drew it and uh, took him in, and he got a 177. And uh, mm. it was, See, the sheep are in, in there. The Chugach has the second-best um, genetics, I guess you'd say, for heavy horns and, uh, you know, bases and stuff. And uh, uh, that ram had uh, 14 to 5 eighths bases and was it was just barely full curl, but it was almost four, uh, just shy of 44 inches. Oh, wow. And uh, a lot of people, you look at that and say, it's, it, heavy, it's like the one that uh, uh, Dan Montgomery, uh, got, the guy got for, uh, with his, um, uh, through Dan over there in the uh, East Fork uh, about uh, three years ago or something like that. Scored, it's the biggest sheep taken in, in Alaska in the, since 1984. It was barely, league, uh, uh, it was barely a full curl. But it was, I think, 11 years old, and uh, a lot of people probably passed it up because they wasn't sure it was even a full curl. Yeah. And I don't think they knew what they had until they actually uh, put a tape on it because it had like 15 and a half inch bases. So those, that's where you're going to get the big score. They don't look as impressive as these real curly ones. Right. Mm. And they're pretty or whatever, but they, are, they do score. Big, big, heavy, thick. Yeah. Deep. Yeah. So, so 1968. <clears throat> 67 to 70, 
you're basically going out on the weekends and your time off and just right pleasure hiking and scouting and 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 kind of figuring out the lay of the land yeah exactly okay and back to my wife there when we uh, yeah. you talk about numbers <laughs> uh so dishwater we went up there on the, uh, before you get to icicle and there was uh 13 rams in that just in that one uh, valley wow. there you go up icicle there were 17 full curls and and, and i've t- i've argued i won't say argue but i've had discussions with biologists and stuff and they some of them young guys are today say it's as good as ever it's just a downturn and uh, i said listen you weren't here uh, yeah. there was yeah. 3500 sheep in the uh chugach park uh, back in the 80s and uh and then you go across from icicle across the valley uh, straight across you have uh heritage falls there was 13 rams on one mountain there on the on the right hand side you go up to the left there was more so in two weeks uh, after we was in there for two weeks um three weeks the guy we were staying with and had our uh had our truck and our our stuff uh, he's another teacher that i'd met and uh he had us a, a boy that had a, uh, it wasn't his son, but uh, he didn't have a dad. And, and so he wanted to take him hunting, and he had never killed a sheep. So they came in after we'd been in there for three weeks. And so we took them, we didn't want to take him up bicycle because we had some sheep up there we wanted. So sure. we took him across <laughs> to, uh, you know, back in those days, you could have gone up any of those things and got a, f- Found a nice 40-inch sheep. sheep. Yeah. And wow. so we took them up there. And, uh, and so we, next morning after we got up there, we pointed out some sheep. Said, you guys go, go after them. So they did. We just sat back and watched them, and they shot two rams. And in the back of the valley, I hadn't checked it out maybe good enough or some had moved in. After they fired a shot, a ram, a ram coming out leading, uh, I, I don't remember how there was, but there was a, a string of ra- uh, rams following him. The lead ram, you could see horns sticking out on both sides of his body about six inches, and it, wow. it, it, was, a, oh. it, was, a, it was really a big <clears throat> ram. It, it went out, climbed right up the glacier, uh, that would be Polar Bear Mountain, I think it was, on the left-hand side, right up that glacier, and right over the top, boom. And uh, I said, whoa, you know. <laughs> <laughs> wow. But uh, Do you try to go find them? No, you know, uh, somebody was talking the other day, I really should have, but we had already had, uh, I had my wife with me too, and uh, she, she can really go good, but you just can't drag her everywhere. Right. And uh, so we went up Icicle where we'd already been there, and there was, we uh, we shot uh, two, uh, let's go like 168 and 167, and um, they weren't nothing like that one that went over the top. Yeah, yeah. In the 50 years that I've been hunting them, that one, and Two others got away, different circumstances. Uh, I had to be back to school. Yeah. You know, always, a lot of my hunts were two and a half to four days because I thought I needed to be back coaching and stuff. So my wife would take me up, drop me off. I'd hike in uh, that evening. Uh, next day, I'd head up the valley, find the biggest sheep that I could find, shoot it, hike it out the next day, and and back to work on Monday. <laughs> wow. and were you pre scouting those in the summer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you had like a plan or. Or maybe yeah, a, a specific it, sheep you were looking for. You know, no, not and if I had it to, to do over, it changes every time, though, doesn't it? It does, but you yeah. know, if I had it to go over again, I, I, I was, I was happy with what I was getting. Uh, I, I oh, thought yeah. it would go on forever. I thought I'd never get old, and uh, <laughs> all those things changed. And uh, <clears throat> I, re- I honestly believe, and this is not boasting or anything but there are so many sheep and big rams back in the day and you gotta like i tell a lot of guys if you want a big ram you have to let smaller ones go 40 inches go you know after you shot some of those you 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 know what you're looking for so there if there's bigger ones out there and if you want to if you want to go for those then you have to pass them up uh if i had it to go over again 
I would have taken taken off a week of school, and I'd had two weekends on each side, and I, and I, you know, I, I don't think there'd been any problem getting a forty incher every year, and um, I got fourteen anyway. Yeah. But I believe a guy could have got a Boone Crockett Ram if you'd really want to go out and scout and knew where it was at, and you had nine days. You know, yeah. is plenty of is, time. Yeah. What was the uh, rules like back then? Well, you know, when I first came up here, it was a three-quarter curl, and then it went to seven-eighths. And, uh, you know, a three-quarter – I guess a lot of people think that's a trophy because uh, uh, it's legal and uh, it's hard, you know, and it, you couldn't get anything better. And so if they're happy with it, that's fine. Only th- I was glad to see them go to a full curl because uh, now you're talking about a ram that's, that's – Mature. Some yeah, mature. Are older. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And uh, it's, it's a trophy. And uh, my first ram was 30, 36 inches. And, man, I thought it was a trophy. That's and it right. was. I, I worked really hard for it, harder than I did for a lot of other sheep. Was that the one with, with your wife? Or was that? No, I was hunting with uh, the guy that was supposed to stay and hunt with me after we got out of the military, but he ended up going back to New York. Okay. So... We had, uh, it was our first hunt in there, going up Eagle River, and there were some other GIs in there, and there was a few other tents. And so we, I, I was under the impression that the further back you go, the better the hunting gets. Yeah. You know? Well, that's not the case. Um, I found out a lot of years there in Eagle River, about midways in is actually where the better sheep are at. Not up past the glacier. There might have been a, f- a few up in there, but it, the really uh-huh. big rams were right in that icicle, dishwater, and just around the corner from that, and then across the the valley there. That's about a three or three mile stretch in there. But it was, you know, there was there was a lot of big sheep, and uh, if you if you a lot of, I, I've run into guys. My wife and I, when we got back up here in nineteen seventy three, uh, getting ready to go back to teaching, or got my first job teaching up here. We and next year I think it was seventy four when I was uh, eligible to go hunting again <clears throat> for sheep. We hiked in up Eagle River uh, on a Friday, uh, camped just before you get to uh, is right around Dishwater, and it was, of course we were headed towards uh, uh, Icicle, and there was a uh, two guys there that were testing gear, and they had two tents, they had two of everything, you know, and uh, they had hike up the mountain and they'd come back down to their tent every night. Well, you can see sheep up there. But that's wasted energy. You're you're burning your feet up. You're uh, you're you're wearing yourself out. You're gonna, and uh, to me, it's discouraging. I've always gone with the philosophy that where I'm at, I'm going to pack my pack up there with my gear, and I'm going to leave it in the bottom. I'm going to spike out up 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 top or in the valley up. Once you get up over the top, it may take like four. I'd say back if you're in pretty good shape, around four or five hours. We'll get you back up in a side valley to the through the alders, back up to where you can uh, spike out and start spotting sheep, uh, and and you can actually go from there after the sheep and stay up high and just stay there. Uh, okay, because because uh, if you go back down now, you got to go back up again the you next lose morning. Lose elevation right. over and over again. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's and, uh, a big debate, right? That's like two different strategies that people do. Sure. Some will just walk the valley until they see something high, and some will go and up and stay up high. It depends on the valley. You take uh, like in the Brooks Range with those big long valleys, you can walk up those things and you can spot, and 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 you might be able to go from there in a in a day's time, go up and get it and come back. They're easier mountains, but the Chugach, and they're rugged than heck. And mm. if you shoot at a sheep in the Brooks Range or the Alaska Range, a lot of times in some places where I've hunted there, 
those sheep may you may see them five miles away as they're continuing to leave but in the in the chugach a lot of those is so rugged that when you shoot it he may go up over the top and just out of uh, another ridge and he's used to getting away from uh and he's not used to people follow uh you know hunters following him mm. and he's i followed him up and got there him there he is right there yeah and they're, so they're not afraid uh, yeah. like the other sheep they, right. they react different yeah, wow, their safety good, zone is uh, is right beside them. That's deep stuff. It's a great point. Yeah, because we've seen we've been in the brooks and seen some other guys take a ram and watched a group hightail it gone. Yeah, I mean, out of sight, like two valleys over. They like they did, up. like they weren't stopping. And it was right. Like, oh well, if there was a legal one in that group, they're gonna be gone. <laughs> right. You know. Yeah, exactly. But I guess that makes sense. So the Chugach. A lot of the battle is the through the alders, Luke. It is, uh, and I, I mean, and I'm glad the alders are there because it, it keeps people out, you know. And yeah. a lot of people don't like them. And I have a, uh, I think you asked me about my knees and dunking a basketball. Well, there's a uh, <laughs> a guy I coached with uh, in one. a different school, uh-huh. and he used. I actually coached his kids, so we got along uh, fine. But he used to give me gas about being short and couldn't dunk a basketball because he had played in the European league and some you know professional basketball and stuff and. And could dunk, and uh, but uh, you know I went out sheep hunting, and I came back with the sheep every year, and uh, he had one little little guy, uh, you know, <laughs> so he finally shut, uh, quit uh, giving me gas because yeah. he didn't make it through the alder very good. But I, that's being short, I guess, is a little bit of an advantage through yeah. the alders. There you go. But it's, yeah. a lot of people ask me, you know, it's not you don't have to have the big muscles and and all that. Half of the battle is mental, you know. Yeah. If you want to do it, and you keep may take you longer than somebody else but if you really want to do it you can you, you can it's just a you know yeah you gotta Mind love over matter. that suck that's right back when they could do the quarter curl how how would you how three, they three quarter, how, three quarter, three quarter, quarter curl, curl i mean how would you legally like that's always been a problem of, of figuring out what yeah is legal. like how do you know well, what it is I think three quarter basically. I have to think back now. I haven't thought about that in a long time. But I think if it's pointing forward and, and maybe they're starting to turn up, you know. Okay, so yeah. they had it defined. But I'm sure. e- even then, I'm sure there was going to be some people bringing them in that are aren't quite legal. Right. Yeah. And uh, then seven eighths. That's it's that's even harder now. It's, it's between uh, th- you know three quarter and a full right. full. So that would be harder to determine. Um. With the problem with the sheep population the way it is i've put in for uh, quite a few different suggestions and none of them were ever accepted but one of the last ones i put in was because we're uh, you know and this was back when we were like 700 sheep taking now we're down to about half exactly right. about half of that yeah I said, uh, you know, it's guides or non-residents against residents, and non-residents, uh, you know, they have uh, guide. The resident only has spends like five days on average in the field, so he's a, a day going, a day coming, and if he has bad weather or whatever, uh, you know, five days is not four or five, four to five days. That's why they're not very successful. Yeah. Of course, the guy, uh, the guy that pays the money and goes with the guide. Now, then they have a packer. They have a. The, probably an assistant guy there, so there's two guys with him. He probably doesn't have to even pack anything other than maybe just his sleeping bag and his clothes. And, uh, and maybe his rifle. Maybe not even that. But anyway, uh, but I always figured I can, you know, I, I, sh- I should be able, even my age, I think you can outrun most of those guys that, <laughs> that are trying to, they're having to pull up the hill. But your original question, well, I, I kind of lost it. 
Jack, was that your question? Or it was a three-quarter curl. Well, question. the three-quarter curl. I think uh, you were. Oh, what I was, uh, my suggestion was this. <clears throat> we're down so low, and I thought about it then, so how much more is it appropriate now? I said, let's go to residents, and don't even worry about the non-residents. We're 80% of the hunters. First thing I uh, said, let's, let's change it where uh, uh, fishing game, 80% of their um, uh, budget comes from non-resident license tags. So I said, since we're 80% of the hunters, let's uh, start charging us um, 100, 200 bucks for a sheep tag and a moose tag. And so we're not tied to the non-resident, uh, you know, keeping their budget going. Right. Yeah, and the revenue's still there. And they didn't want to do that because that takes a, um, uh, you have to go through the Congress and, and of course, you know, Alaskan's spoiled. We don't have to, uh, we don't have a, a tax, state tax. We don't have, and we get the dividend. And people want everything for nothing, you know. And for years, you could uh, go for 25 bucks, you could shoot everything except maybe a muskox, a bison, and a brown bear. Mm-hmm. So it's time you, in the lower 48, for uh, maybe a, an elk tag, it'll cost a lot of those guys around 150 to 200 bucks. So why shouldn't we be paying the same thing so we aren't tied to the giving the non residents right. are taking? Traditionally, they've taken for probably from about 2018 forward on my statistics, they are taking um, 40%. Oh, really? Recently, in the last few years, I don't know about the last couple of years, but say uh, five years before that, they're taking like 45% of the, sh- uh, the game. They're better at it, but here, listen up uh, to this. Uh, the, back when uh, we were taking, uh, um, guides were 75% successful probably 20, 25, 30 years ago. Residents were 25% successful. Today, residents, I'm not sure what there is, it may be down around 15%, and guides are 60%. So when guides are have dropped 15%, then you know something's wrong. Right. Mm. And um, so, anyway, um, my, so they w- wouldn't go for that. So I said, okay, let's just worry about residents since we're 80% of the hunters. And maybe it'll uh, go off to the uh, non-residents as well. If you, kill, if you kill a 10-year-old as a resident, you can hunt the next year. I don't care if it's legal uh, lengthwise, age-wise, or what. It has to be 10 years old. You still have the same uh, eligibility. Legality as far as it's legal or not, if they shoot something smaller, then uh, they might be it might be taken from them. But let's say it's everybody's is legal. If it's ten years old, you get to hunt the next year. If you shoot a nine year old, you sit out a year. If you shoot an eight year old, you sit out two. You shoot a seven year old, you sit out three. And there are some six year olds that are forty inches and are going to be a monster. If you shoot a six year old, even though it's legal, uh, lengthwise, you know, full curl, you sit out for five years. It's going to make people more selective. And it's going to be make people. Uh, it's going to leave more sheep on the mountain, and you're shooting older uh, rams, and so, uh, which is good because that way they have a chance to uh, pass on their genetics. And uh, if a sheep is going to die, it'll be um, usually it's the older rams. You don't find too many younger rams, not until they start getting into the breeding process. Yeah, well, and that age is what like nine, ten. Well, it, it varies. Uh, they basically uh, they figure an eight year old ram is about a full curl. Some of them give it. Sooner than that, some of these rams that are going to be a monster ram are forty inches at six years old. Yeah, and uh, if they keep uh, six years old, if they and twelve years old is an old ram, except mm-hmm. for maybe the Brooks. It's still old, but they get older up there because of a drier climate. But they're in not the, producing at that age, are they still? Oh, yeah, they, they can produce. Uh, okay. Probably a, a real young ram, three years old. You know, they want to get in there. Their hormones are going too. Right. Yeah, but the big guys, but you know, keep them out of there. Right. Sure. Now they'll get a few. But they don't. Uh, they don't get many. 
of course, that's uh, and that's why a lot of your ten-year-olds uh, end up dying. Ten, eleven-year-olds, they die because they uh, they spend their bodies totally out. Mm-hmm. You know, they're friends until till the rut comes around yeah, and sure. those hormones start kicking in they're knocking each other off cliffs and uh whatever it takes because you're not gonna i, I got a, i'm doing rampages four and five and i've got uh, about 300 photos that are just i mean absolutely and they're live sheep and i got one sequence of this ram a young ram probably three quarters on uh on a u starting to breed her and this uh 43 inch ram hits that one, a guy in the side <laughs> oh. and uh oh. and, and it, the first one is he's just made contact nothing's happened yet just just got there the second photo he's going going down and you can see his tallywhacker you know like he's oh. here the third one <laughs> is starting to shrivel <laughs> oh, no. and the fourth one he's on his back up in the rocks and uh so just then, got pile drive uh, oh, he did <laughs> Wow, <laughs> that's an amazing picture. But I see that. Yeah. Um, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Barney's Sports Chalet, supplying hunters and outdoor enthusiasts with the highest quality gear and equipment since they opened their doors in 1963. Barney's carries exclusive brands such as Alpaca Rafts, Sitka Sims, XO Mountain Gear, Hilleberg, and much more. Barney's prides themselves with keeping a huge stock on hand of various top-of-the-line tents, footwear, sleeping bags, optics, cross-country skis, just to name a few. Barney's is also the exclusive retailer of Montana Knives, Seek Outside, Kafaru, Stone Glacier, and their in-house brand, Frontier Gear of Alaska. Barney's has a superior selection of top-rated boots, sleeping bags, dry bags, mountaineering gear, electronics, and accessories. Need freeze-dried food or mountain snacks? They got that too. Barney's now has an amazing new paperback catalog available for in-store pickup or online order. Visit them today at barneysports.com or even better, stop by the store in Anchorage at 906 West Northern Lights. If you want the best, there's only one name in the game, Barney's Sports Chalet. Alaska Mining and Diving Supply, located in Anchorage for 47 years, has expanded three stores. The main store, the largest Skidoo sled dealer in North America, also has Can-Am, Sea-Doo, Climb, Suzuki Outboards, Honda Outboards, Generators and Snowboards, Kingfisher Boats, and so much more. Alaska Motorsports and Equipment just next door, which was previously Anchorage Suzuki Arctic Cat, for all your Arctic Cat, Suzuki ATV, Asvarna, Generac, Mahindra Tractor, and now Argo Pro and Sasquatch needs. And to round it out, also next door, the brand new Alaska Mining Superstore for the largest selection of recreational and light commercial mining equipment anywhere, period. The Treehouse AK, your one-stop dispensary located at 341 Boniface Parkway. When you pull up to the Treehouse, you'll notice the beautifully hand-drawn art by Alaska's own Ted Kim. Once you get inside, you're going to see many of the same people that have been there since they opened. The bud tenders know you and what you like and what new product you should be checking out. The store is super clean and the music's always on point. The Treehouse and local owner Josh Boots is a staple in the cannabis culture through his music, community givebacks, and a lifetime desire to bring the people of Alaska the best products available. The Treehouse always has at least 25 strains available and they're all shown prominently deli style in clear, openable jars so you can see and smell your options. Other products include edibles, concentrates, vape carts, pre-rolls, flour, dab rigs, and anything else you need, they got it. They also have some pretty sick merchandise for sale. 
Check out thetreehouseak.com, or better yet, stop by the Treehouse today and get started on their loyalty program. Remember, you must be 21 years of age to enter their store. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. The big, the biggest ram in the group. Um, I think there was seven. Once we got in the valley, we were kind of like tucked in, um, kind of right before you, you know, before you kind of come over the last hump. There's a huge rock, that, and we found like old mountain houses under there and that's shit. Probably that's what I call the rock. Probably it's just up off the riverbank on the left hand side. Yes. Yep. Is that like and your infamous rock? The rock. It, it is, and uh, I used to. I don't know what it's like. I've been up there for um, 10 years or so. But uh, before the guides found it, and I used to have, I, I, I took an, I have an axe in there. I chop alders and I put the alders behind the rock uh, where they'd dry out for the next year. Yeah. And uh, because, I mean, there was big rams in there every year. So I didn't even, a lot of times, have to go even scouting. I mean, I just knew they were there. And so, uh, and then I had uh, rocks put up here in front. I could sleep three guys. Well, some of the, when the guides found it, they pushed that stuff out so they could sleep four under there. Mm. So I just reached back and I had a, a, a grate, you know, a big grate there. And I just set it up here on the deal and I had to uh, get my uh, alders around behind. And it was a great setup. Didn't have to have a tent or anything. Uh, there's a slide that comes down fr- in front of that rock over here on this side here. Mm-hmm. A slide comes down here. There's another slide, not as. Not quite the exact same thing, but those sheep they they transfer back and forth right. between those two seventy five hundred foot peaks. I've seen them come down through there. Usually they do it at, at night, just when you can just see them like ghosts. Right. And uh, if you'd had night vision, you could have yeah. told something. Watch the and, show. And I think that was our problem because it was like we knew where they were. We we patterned them every day, stayed out of the way. And uh, man, they would they'd come down in order, the smallest to largest, and the biggest one never came down all the way. At least when it was still light, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we ended up having to take out take the the largest one we could we could um the most mature one that we could uh but i had to get back to college so i kind of felt bad yeah you know because he he would have stayed there another week and i would have loved to but uh yeah anyway a bear a- ate a raft so oh, it the, did yeah oh, down, so down the bu- oh, yeah please. yeah so we were sitting over there with whistles on the bank you know <laughs> i would try because the old <laughs> i did her on trail right you know right it's across and finally at like five in the morning six in the morning it was early someone came out it was like a hiker from the eagle riverside came up and we gave him someone's phone number and then they anyway yeah we got a wrap but it was a silly day that was a, sure. a draw permit in 2000 that john drew yeah it was a two and it was either 2000 or 2001 mm-hmm. yeah wow, wow. Yeah. did you say you went up there without a tent yeah, I don't need one. I always, you don't take a tent? You, sl- you slept well, under the rock, right? No, this is I, I, I do. I uh, I sleep under the rock. The rock's fine. I mean, oh, it's like a, it's like a never, ledge. What it is, it's a rock that's almost cave-like. half the size of this room. Yeah. And it sits up like this. Now, my wife was a little uh, freaked out about it because there are some splits in it, but they've probably been there for hundreds of years. Right. <laughs> it's and, not a bad way to go. And you don't get wet yeah, in there. Man. And, uh, I mean, the you know, smoke curls out and goes up like that, and it, it's oh, it's just a neat place. Yeah. I uh, It's a... Uh, it's kind of my, it's, it's just nostalgic. Neat. It was. Yeah. It was funny how many mountain houses were under that rock. Well, you know what happened is, uh, well, I didn't leave those mountain houses cost uh, enough. I didn't. I hauled out what I took in. Yeah. Oh yeah. What that was is probably some guides were in there, and uh, and they may have been coming back in 
later. I don't, yeah. Of course, if you got a, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, they, they just leave it. I, I've been, I found other places. I found one place where the guys were leaving out and they dumped all their mountain house by a tree. I just loaded them up and packed them. What, what do they weigh? <laughs> yeah. Three, four pounds? Uh, yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you got meals for next season. That's <laughs> yeah, awesome. Uh, that's it's funny great. how many rocks that you find like that, that there are mountain houses under that other people yeah. have stashed. And yeah, that's memorable though. That's good. I got a can that I left up there one year, a tuna fish can. And I got it up there the next year. I went back, and it was rusted up. And there was a shard of a tooth in the bottom of that thing. But I know it had to have been a wolverine. Uh, and, you know, they grabbed that old tuna fish can, the kind you have to open up with a can opener. Yeah. And they're really solid. So he had to grab that thing and hold it down. And then his teeth, he's got his teeth marks in there. He bit down, and he just opened it up. Uh, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> just peeled that sucker open. Oh, my goodness. And left one, uh, one of his uh, shards of his teeth, you know, enamels in the bottom of that thing. Left I got it at home. <laughs> That's so you got cool. a little chain? Well, it's, it, I, got it, uh, I got it in a cabinet with all my uh, skull collection. Isn't it amazing that they would be able to smell that through the can? Yeah. You know? Well, oh, there's food in the, there? Yeah. No, I don't think they know th uh, that. They just... You're curious on the outside, and I've been uh, moose hunting over in the Yinlo area when there's a lot of big bulls over there. And once a weekend, we shot a bull, and we left our stuff there because we we're going to come back the next weekend. When we came back, uh, two Coleman, three Coleman canisters. Have you ever, you know, how that stuff freezes when it comes out of there? Oh yeah, it'll freeze. I mean, it, you know, if you, yeah. if, Jules well, a bear bit all three of them. You know, it, t it takes pretty strong to, you know, your teeth to go through. And it can't be good on your teeth. No. Bite oh, through yeah, there, and brutal. it just, I think it just ticked him off. You know, that stuff sprayed out there and froze him up, you know, like that. Mm. So he just got the other other two. Rah, rah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get you to Had a little temper tantrum there? I think so. <laughs> oh, man. That would be hilarious. If you had a pet bear, you could uh, put, put a pack on him and take him up there, and he could pack all your stuff out. You've oh, thought man, about this before? Effortlessly. Well, you might have to shoot something to feed him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, very true uh, well I, you know i i made a note um i was uh i had the uh pleasure of attending your q a hangout there at palmer Hill house um yeah, Friday before fun. last that was fun um your your stories were great and and some of the questions are really good um you mentioned that you're a collector of stuff <laughs> alaska stuff and so i know you invite a lot of folks out to your house yeah um i haven't seen your home uh, is I have two little questions here. So would you consider your house like a Ram Museum? And well, when I first got up here in 1960, well, I came back up in 70 uh, with my in-laws, and we just came up here for a visit. And we, uh, when I drove into Fairbanks, there was a museum up there called, uh, I think it's called Eskimo Museum. And it wasn't very big. It was probably... I don't know, 1,500 square feet at the most. Okay. But they had some neat stuff in there. They had a uh, moose chair out of, uh, made in, uh, you know, it was really neat, and uh, with a, like, a snowshoe, you know, stuff you sit on. And uh, this, uh, and from then on, I wanted to have a museum when I retired. Mm. So I was collecting things when we, right along uh, and everything, I, I got from, uh, I'd drive the bus up to Fairbanks, and in between, sometimes when I had uh, a break, I would take off and go look for things. And I, I've, 
so I uh, went back up in the summer and I found a bunch of uh, mining buckets. Mm-hmm. So I rented a, a semi and a forklift and w- went up there and, and I, I've got, I think, 19 mining buckets. And I was going to, for the museum, I was going to line the driveway coming in. Yeah. You know where the uh, Turner cabin, log cabin is off to the left and you have those uh, where they built the freeways up going around, like going to Wasilla and stuff like that? Uh-huh. Well, if I had actually purchased the land, that would have killed my view. Uh, and so it's a good thing I didn't. Several things happened. When I retired in uh, 1999, uh, my son was in the military, and he was uh, down. He was married, and he was down in uh, Florida. He ended up getting stuck there for 23 years. And I wanted to collect for the museum, but I wanted my kids to run it. My daughter married a guy in college. She was a, an all-state basketball player, and was uh, <clears throat> uh, she'd met a, a guy that um, played for the uh, Wildcats. Uh, Arizona, and uh, he's a big guy. He, I, uh, I wanted to see how much he could pack. He weighed during <laughs> during uh, during the season. He had Just to uh, sizing him uh, up. Like, up yeah. yeah. Well, he could he could bench five hundred pounds. He squatted oh, seven hundred, and he weighed two forty. But he might have ate more than he was worth. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, he needed a front backpack for yeah, his food. He ended Separate up Separate packer just to feed the guy. <laughs> you're right. Uh, he ended up dying in a, in a vehicle accident, oh, and uh, so she uh, she stayed there because there was a lot of money in Salt Lake. She was a orthodontist assistant, and she ended up marrying a guy uh, uh, later. He's a chiropractor there. But uh, what was, and see, so your question is uh, I, do, I don't think he benched 500 pounds. No, he's pretty, he's a strong guy, but he he he, he could have had a 42 inch vertical leap. But uh, which is really good, but he uh, he didn't grow up hunting. Yeah, you know, he he'd go hunting with me, I think, but I'm not sure. We're gonna have to see if he. Yeah. He's well, too we busy we right were now. talking about your your cool collector stuff. of stuff. Oh, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. What's some so maybe what's some really unique I, things you got? I had all these mining buckets, and and, and then of course Cabela's and uh, uh, different places moved in, and you know it's. You, can't, you could compete with them in a way, but uh, I wouldn't have near the stuff. And so mm-hmm. it just ended up being, it lines my driveway. I got two mining buckets. I got a mining bucket that weighs as much as your vehicle. It weighs, they weigh uh, Like the old dredge they, like they weigh bucket four, style? 8,000 8, pounds. Oh, oh man. These came, these came off the Bema, uh, which was uh, built in Singapore, uh, brought over, assembled in Nome, and they ran it out in the ocean for that flower gold because it's too big. To run inland into the uh-huh. rocks and stuff, so a lot of these they have these buckets that go on a line, like forty or buckets going around and around like that. Yeah. So I've got uh, I got buckets that weigh seven hundred and fifty pounds. I got two of those. I got buckets that weigh uh, twelve hundred and fifty pounds. I got um, seven of those. I got Lou like that two thousand pounders. Yeah, I got. Oh, that's it. That's a, those. No, that's not S- the something really something something like that though, right? Yeah, exactly. Those are like two thousand pounders. Oh, maybe something like that. Uh, there's only four of these that are around here, unless you got something from Nome. Uh, the, there's a guy out on. Um, if you guys remember, now these are all smaller. Uh, they couldn't handle this size bucket. Uh, they weigh eight thousand pounds, much as a ve- wow. uh, vehicle, yeah. and they're they're this big. Uh, I have two of them. They cost me forty five hundred bucks a piece. Um, I don't think my wife knows, but uh, <laughs> uh, a, a guy by the name of Conrad Sosley uh, had the um, uh, old gardening thing. There were the uh, landscaping thing out there, uh, just past um, uh, on Diamond. You coming out? Past oh, bells the, or uh, not bells? Uh, um. And there used to be mining buckets all along yeah, in there. Yeah. And uh, he was a really interesting guy. And so I bought the, uh, those from him. And um, 
you know. Those are cool. Yeah. yeah. Poor guy that runs into that thing in the driveway, though. Yeah. I I slid into the 2,000-pounder with my uh, excursion, and Uh, uh, it was just a slick. I slid down. It didn't do much damage. Bent the... License plate, but yeah. <laughs> what, what else? Okay. What, what else do you got? Okay, that's, that's just going in, and uh, yeah, that's outside the house. Yeah, <laughs> most people downsize when the kids leave. Uh, we do- I double the size of the house, <laughs> and uh, we got yeah. stuff to put in here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to my wife's chagrin, she um, would like to downsize. I think, but. I, I keep almost everything. Uh, all the boots that I ever wore, I've got them all. I've uh, the K ninety nines that I wore out in nineteen days. The first uh, mm. boots I ever wore. I, then I went to uh, what are they? Uh, uh, Danners. I wore a bunch yeah. of those. They're the first ones to. Oh, and before that, I had uh, the uh, Herman Survivors, and I bought four, three or four or five pair of those. And then the uh, Danners. And then I went to uh, La Sportivas, and then uh, Scarpas, and now I'm on. Um, um, Oh, they're a lighter boot that came out my son. Lo- Lo- Loa's? Christmas. Christmas. Oh, Christmas. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Nice. So, well, that's yeah. a full uh, evolution there. <laughs> it <laughs> is, yeah. <laughs> Do you ever run an L.L. Bean? Those old school L.L. Bean Boots? duck no, boot things? Like, I, I, I always I, said there was like the first hunting boot, and I'm like, well, I, I had that imagine guys hiking s- around the mountains with those Similar things. type thing. I got ones from Eddie Bauer. He was a big deal back okay, then. Okay, I could see that, yeah. But I didn't give them a really good go because they were put together with nails and stuff and I, I'd Ooh. go to the top of a mountain and I'd run down like you're skiing and get to the bottom just really fast and it just wore the heck out of those mm. uh, where the <coughs> where, like where the, the soul, soul connected. was connected. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So I, I, that wasn't fair for the boots but uh, mm. I don't like the <coughs> plastic, <coughs> excuse me, the plastic boots. You want some uh, water? Oh, the, oh, the cold yeah. flax? The cold flax. I have friends that uh, oh, yeah. use those. The but I don't boot? like them. They're, they're oh, like a ski boot. Yeah, some yeah. of the really OG sheep yeah. hunters live and die by those things. And I, if you ever put on a pair, I'm like. Mm. I think they're hard on your knees. And, uh, what are they good for? Just like side hilling? Yeah. I mean, yeah. But how much do you side hill? I, I usually You're go long not twisting distance. an ankle. Sure. I might go 30 miles uh, up a val- uh, valleys, you know, to get where I want to go. And then you go up the mountain, so you don't spend that much time side-hilling no. uh, I mean, to me. Maybe, like, the brooks and some, like, stretches. But if you're, I mean, if you're doing full hike from the truck bottom to the top, yeah, I, I couldn't see rocking So what things. I went to was uh, those scarpas. I like them. They're in between. They're pretty yeah. stiff. Yeah. Yeah, I like That's those scarpas. They're good boots, yeah. yeah. They wear like iron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They hold up, too. Oh, they do. Yeah. 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 Those yeah. are real good. They're crispy. a little less stiff. They're lighter, uh, less stiff. And like my son said, they, they roll a little bit better, a little bit natural roll oh, so okay. that you don't uh, mm. you don't get that. You get a little bit of that <clears throat> ski boot type thing with the you know, scarpas, but yep. uh, it was it was okay. Yeah. I, mean, yeah. I, I liked them. Which crispies yeah. do you have? You know, I don't even really know. Yeah. Uh, we got, this, got one about two years ago, and I know they got different models out now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, they have What's, a bunch. I'm curious about the evolution of the backpacks. Oh, that's a big deal because that first one I had, and then I went to, uh, and of course, Bob uh, Hudson was uh, Barney's had Bob? taken over. Yeah, yeah, right. And so he started, that was before he actually, he was uh, using uh, camp trails, selling camp trails, and they were far better than what I had originally had. So I got into those and they were better frames and had a belt and a little better pads uh, up here then he started designing them himself and having them build them for him and then he i think he ended up finally uh just doing his own and uh you know he did a great job i 
for me, and I'm kind of old school, I, I, I never worn them cold flax, so I, I, it's, it's hard for me to d- put them down, but I just knew in my head I didn't want, uh, they yeah. weren't going to work. An internal frame pack, <laughs> you know, I've got probably, I've probably had seven or eight, nine packs. I just use a lot of them now just for display with the animals on In the museum? Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> Is that what you, the, the packs you use for your website photo? Yeah, a lot of them are. Okay. Those and, are really great. And, uh, but I, um. I never did use the uh, uh, Trapper Nelson, you know. I think maybe a Trapper Nelson would have been better than that early uh, camp trails that I had, honestly. We've got the uh, view right here, uh, Lou. Of, yeah, uh, that's got a bunch awesome. Of sheep oh, yeah. Packed in packs there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, I didn't use all those packs. Some of those I bought off the internet or just uh, around, I, I pick them up. You sure. know, I bought a lot of those packs right now, 15, 20 bucks. And uh, now then you, you go to buy one of those uh, Trapper Nelsons, it might cost you 400 bucks. Wow. Yeah, 250. I mean, they're not giving away anymore. Which one's the Trapper Nelson? Is it up there? Uh, yeah, take a look there, Lou. Okay, this, this is Trapper Nelson right here. Number f- number three? Uh, number f- I number four. You messed yes. it up. Look at that. Yeah. It one, two, four, three. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh look at that. Yeah. Huh? So Sneaky. Is, yeah, I... <laughs> I, I wasn't very high tech. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Grail, this is how you taught the kids, huh? Looks like a gym teacher scribble scrabble going on there. <laughs> he taught gym, guys. He taught gym, not math. Yeah. Oh, and, and so what's uh, number eight? I was in a hurry to do something else, so I never went back and corrected it. <laughs> uh, number eight is a, uh, that's one of those first, pa- I had two of those packs. One for my wife and one for myself. I don't see the other one. It's on there. I think I didn't use it. But that was the one I didn't use that much. That's why it looks so good. Uh, coloration wise this is those uh, deep packs right here but I, I tried to convince bob and he finally listened to me uh i think it's called yukon they're yeah. great packs I you can bring ones. that up to you right there yeah, yeah bring that up. There, there you, you go. go they're great packs but i i prefer this style right here this is what i have now that's the barney's I fi- pack. yeah i finally uh, told bob i said you know i don't like them going skinnier as you go down i want that thing to stay like this because i put my my meat right in here with the horns like that and secure them to loops that i have around well, the back put all side. the gear on top yeah I, I like my meat when i uh, uh, this thing down here i have one of those those old um stuff bags mm-hmm. i can put over a thousand uh, cubic inches in here so the whole thing is like 10,000 cubic, uh, uh, more than that, about 2,500 down here in this thing. And then uh, 7,500 up in here. And then you can put your sheep cape and stuff like that up like that. I put my pad in here this way. I don't worry about I carry my rifle. I don't like the thing that. Oh, you hold it in your hand? I carry it in a, in a, in a case. Oh, uh, uh, like a soft scabbard? Well, there's there's some that was made by Copland uh, back uh-huh. when that were waterproof, lightweight. And the inside they had a. Uh, like a sleeve, you, a sleeve. Mm. You go in there, and that thing is great. And mm-hmm. it's, it's light, right? It's plastic. Yeah, exactly. It'll float. Yeah. And if I go in through uh, alders and stuff like that, you could move that thing and lay oh, it around. Sure. Or if you go to fall, you can drop your rifle. Right. I've knocked my scope off before, and oh. I and this way, it, yeah. it kept it clean, kept it dry. Sometimes I'd have to take it out because sweat and difference in temperatures and stuff. Mm. So I take it out and let it dry. But mm-hmm. I, I I like that. I don't like the rifle up here this way. I can get it out really fast here with carrying this way. Sure. If it's up here, the guys say, you're going to get caught by a bear. Well, I I have before. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I have to get it out. All I have to do is hit this thing like it's here and out like that. I got it here. Sure. You can do that and probably when, it's, when, you, when you have to, you probably get it in less than 10 seconds. Sure, yeah. sure. 
Yeah. And if you have to take your pack off. Oh, no. Oh, that's a whole yeah. other. Yeah. Yeah. Try 40 So seconds. these are those old packs. Uh, some of the, uh, this right here is uh, the. Number six. Uh, yeah. Number six is the uh, Kelty. And they got those red zippers. You can see it right here. What I did was my wife found this thing at a uh, uh, secondhand store. And so she's heard all this talk. She says, I think Frank Cook, he, he shot the number one uh, back in 56, 49 and a half inches up. Oh, uh, we were just looking at that. And the Wrangles. In yeah. a, no, he didn't shoot that in Wrangles. He shot that up uh, Friday, between Friday Creek and um, Metal Creek. Really? Yep. Wow. Oh. Yeah, the Connect Valley. Exactly. Oh. And uh, so uh, this one here is one of those early ones of uh, uh, Bob's that uh, can't, still, see, it still has a camp trail thing up here, but he, they're a lot better. And uh, you had enough on the packs. But uh, this is one of Bob's, after he started making them, it still says camp trails on there, but he had his logo on it, and it's starting to get these big deals here on the side so you can put your, I like this for putting my spotting scope in. Now they got two big long ones here, and I got after Kevin a little bit because I said, I like to have three bags on, or two bags on the side. He says, Lou, we can't just make these for you, you know. <laughs> so he's right, uh, you know. I like to have my scope over here, and a spotting scope, yeah. and then over there I like to have different things. So The Lou Bradley edition. <laughs> well, he, he called this one the Elite. Oh, oh you're, your really mic. Like, there you go, yeah. Lou. Uh, which I like. Thanks for breaking those down, man. This one over here is, uh, I got my bag on the bottom, and then it's called, uh, I think it's called a Hunter, and they call it the Elite. So that you can put a, your sleeping bag and everything on the bottom, yeah. And then okay. you have the whole top pack there, and he widened it on the bottom, which I I, I really like, yeah. And because I put my meat and stuff in there, uh, you put wife, it in the bottom, in that bottom section. It's well, it fits right in the middle. It sits on top of my sleeping. bag. Oh, okay. You put the sleeping mm -hmm. bag in the bottom, so the and then the right, meat's right there, the meat's yeah. right in there. Yeah, it gets too high. It's like it's, the middle of the pack. It's right. It's right. In the, yeah, it's right in my the low lower, lower uh, smaller your back. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, keep that core balance. <laughs> so, so you really, really ran through kind of all the different variations of packs, and I guess in the end, you're you are, are you an external frame guy? I am, and I didn't. Uh, you know, I, I'll agree that probably uh, there's a lot of people you see using um, um, what's uh, Stone Glacier. I think is probably mm -hmm. pretty popular. Yeah. Uh, and time. they're probably uh, great, and they're probably there's, a, there's some advantages to those. Like if you're in the rocks uh, and you're in a tight place, and uh, sometimes you can get catapulted a little bit or, or caught, uh, catch a external frame pack. But if I weigh all the things out, uh, I, like I said, I'm old school, and, yeah. I, and I like it. Mm -hmm. it. It works good for me. And um, and they're I comfortable just, too. Can, those they are. those Barney's packs are comfortable. Yeah, nice. Oh, very. I can put everything. You could put way more stuff than you can carry. Exactly. <laughs> it seems like the metal ones have less torsion, you know, when you're carrying a heavy load. I, no, I mean, the new, like the Sun Glaciers, they don't wobble like the old internal frames, but they they still seem to like have a little bit of torsion. There's a little sway. And the, yeah. those those packs, you know, have metal preventing that. So. Yeah. And it gets down to, you know, a lot of stuff psychological. If, and if you like uh, a certain thing, uh, yeah, that's what you should use. Yep. Yeah. Even though it might not, something might be more comfortable or right. it might be more like logical to use this pack for this reason. But if you, like you said, if your mind is telling you this is the one. Right. Why, well, I think why a lot of guides, I don't know, but I, just listening to different ones. If you're really into heavy hunting and carrying heavy, big loads, uh, you can't beat the Barney pack. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd say if you're a packer, that's your 
tool. <laughs> yeah. If you're a 100-pound-plus guy, you're uh, not weight, but carrying did that you, on average. Did you keep all of your um, rams as zeros? Or did he you did. do shoulder mounts on those? Oh, you, oh yeah. I, I've only, I think I've got like six, let's see, four, maybe seven mounts, uh, you know, the, for them, the first ones. Some of them are, I got my 36-inch ram, and, and the taxidermy is really bad. It's, it's, <laughs> oh. <laughs> those are the best ones, The man. skin's breaking down. It's, 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 all, it's you know, all smiling at you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the guy that did that actually did uh, the uh, world's record was uh, the Harry Swank ram, uh, Frank oh, Bills. Yeah. It's it's not the best. Fifty seven. Uh, when was the swank? Swank sixty one. Sixty one. But Joe Romero, uh, he mounted a, a forty four, a little over forty four, and a, a forty six and a half for me. And he's an uh, he's an artist. He 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 isn't getting wealthy. He does everything himself. One of the and, best in the business, right? Uh, yeah. He 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 fleshes most of the stuff when people come in you know i flesh mine but he'll turn the ears and, and if i'm going to get out pretty fast i just let him do it and uh, the lips okay. yeah and because uh, a lot of guys uh mess stuff up and then they just have to uh patch it up yep. you know mm-hmm. so uh and you can tell the world a difference i got uh you know the two rams that joe did uh and then you see some that three other taxidermists did uh there's, there's no mm-hmm. comparison you know? yeah if you Called Joe today with another forty incher that you got. Would he do it for you? Uh, yeah, probably. He's trying to get. Uh, I'm asking because he's, he's apparently retired. But I was just um, wondering if 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 Lou called, would well, he bust out his his tools and go to work? I'm not going to take a forty incher to him. The only way I'll okay. take a forty uh, incher to him uh, okay. is if it had fifteen half inch bases and it was broom, ah, it was broomed off right, like base, right. the end of a baseball bat. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It, it, there's a standard. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> he's retired though, right? He is. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think. Down the road, if he finds the right uh, place to where he could, uh, you know, um, had a setup where he could do some stuff out of the house that he might uh-huh. get back into it a little okay. bit. Not big time, but just uh, maybe yeah. for friends and right. whatnot. Right. Where was he off of? He was uh, Aurora Wildlife Arts right there off of uh, between Arctic and. Right uh, behind the double shovel. Double yeah, that. Yeah. I thought it was the same Joe. Yeah, he was. Yeah. He helped Freshy with some stuff. Yeah, I met him before. He was there. Yeah, Joe's. Um, How do you spell his last name? R O M E R O. Oh, okay. Romeo. Uh, Romeo. Romero. Romero. Okay. Yeah, he's no Romeo, I don't think. <laughs> Maybe he is. I don't know. Uh, yeah, he was really good with Jesse. He they went over and uh, tanned their own. Um, he tans his own sheep and goat yep. hides, yep. which I like, because you send them out. Uh, some of these places they tan them up, and if you you know he he gets blood out. You know you you should try to get it out yourself uh-huh. in the field if you can. But uh, he tans them and doesn't put uh, you know what do you call it uh, the. Cl- or after whatever they yeah, used to bleach the bleach them. yeah and uh, so they turn out great yeah yeah it was really cool i didn't know he did his own tanning though any if you go in there and watch uh, him you know some taxidermists i think they just order a form and they stretch a height on there and and a yep. lot of people don't know mm-hmm. the difference uh you know uh, what it should look like but joe I, i've never seen an animal sheep bear especially you know uh changing the form if it's yeah. a shorter bear if it's a longer bear taller bear uh, and and he puts all this stuff on the outside and, and makes muscles in there and stuff yep. it's uh oh wow he's so a true, yeah. true artist yeah. yeah he is he doesn't want something going out and what hurts his feelings is if he 
uh, puts out something really nice, and the guy throws it up on the wall, and then he uh, puts a place where they smoke, and it gets dirty, and mm. and, he, yeah. and he brings it back to him ten years later, you know, and wants it cleaned. Yeah, and, yeah. The way that he had built the ones up that we saw in the shop were like you're talking where it was almost like yeah he built like the tone into the muscles and you yeah. can see like a different type of clay or whatever pastor paris or whatever right. they use it on the outside mm -hmm. in those spots it was pretty rad yeah yeah his attention to detail is pretty amazing with just like the eyeballs and the painting and exactly yeah. and, and joe was a kind of, i'll say pretty much a one-man show and mm -hmm. and when you do that you're getting his work but if you end up um you know uh if there's multiple taxidermists, it's hard to keep this quality. I mean, there's something to do, but and and of course the other thing is uh, Joe he he put it out. He, it was a reflection on him, and he didn't he wanted to uh, you see something there that stamps he, on there exactly. He, wants, yeah. he didn't want to. Of course, you can go the other way and you can turn stuff out really fast and and get turn the money over quick. Mm. But I think that'll hurt you in the long run. Uh, yeah. You know, yeah. down the road, people aren't going to be bringing stuff to you. So, so you have what five or six beautiful Rams? Um, are they your most prestigious trophy? No, Rams I've, I've or got, I've got a I got a beam in the old in our old house, uh, the old part of the house. We I think doubled there's the an image of, of that, Daniel. If you if, on the website, on the website, yeah. There's a. I want to say if you scroll down, there's an image of Rams on like a like a lower beam or a shelf. Yeah, I think it's on the next page. Um, Go to yeah, go to home. Oh, there it is. Is that is that yeah, kind of what it. you're talking about? Okay. Uh, I put this up a long time ago. My wife, she, uh, I hardly ever had a day off because, it, but in sometime one time between basketball and wrestling season, I took a day off, and she she was working at that time when the kids are older, and she came home and I had all these sheep on that beam. And <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of the move I did. That's like, that's a lot of work went into that, honey. I mean, she I can't said, take them so down. She wasn't happy for a while, but uh, you know, I, I, I keep saying, and I used that here recently, and it just about got my head knocked off. Oh, she'll get over it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, my wife had a two-head limit, and then she came home to a third, and it was. <laughs> she was upset too. So anyway, these sheep, uh, I just I just line them up on the, on the wall like that, and I started putting these packs in there. I kind of got mm -hmm. carried away with the packs, and uh, I like just displaying them that way. That thing in the middle there is my dad's old red hat. It's mm. a plastic hat. He killed those two elk and uh, back in the 50s and 60s, and so he, he was really a good hunter. Um, why did you, why did you, I mean, you seem like you cut most of them off, but yeah, some of them you didn't. Was I, there a well, reason for that? I don't. I probably have one somewhere where you cut it, cut it off, and you cut it down like this, and then back like that. I don't like that. It exposes the eyeballs and the. Uh, so I ended up just slicing them off. Part of the reason is when a taxidermist gets them, he wants half of the eyeball there, so he knows where to put the eye, eyeballs. Mm -hmm. And so I just uh, let you know, you cut right through there, and I start out on the nose out here and, and saw right back through. Now this one here, I saw it kind of like that, which I don't like. I like to get them like this. And when you put them on there, they you don't see the bottom part of the skull. This one here, I didn't do a very good job on. Um, I wasn't, you know, I didn't wasn't into taking pictures and, right. and yeah. stuff. Sure, and, sure, and yeah. Just, or even trying to do things for good looks. And now, if I had it to go over again, I would have done better. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, this one's one seventy two. No, further over here. 
Holy shit, look at that. This one's, they don't look like it. it's a pretty young ram, but he's 172. He's 43 inches. Here, This one here is 178, and I put these on this because that's what I want. I want one that's over 50 inches. So I put those ends on there like that, but this ram here has 15-inch bases, and he's under 38 <laughs> inches, scored 178. This one here scores 167. This one's 168. This one here is uh, oh 45, and it scores 181 and a half. This one here is uh, 171. And it's, if it hadn't been broomed off there, it'd been better. This is 170. <clears throat> they're they're heavy. They're not pretty sheep, but uh, I went for heaviness back in. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can tell by the. This uh, one looks this really one here, heavy. This one here is the horn aren't the equal on each side, but it scores 175. This one here is looks big, and when I shot him, I thought he was because there was nothing else to compare. Right. He's by himself. He's 41 inches, but he just got he's a real so tight. tight curl. Yeah, and, it's uh, rad how he what comes cool in. cool-looking sheep, though. It's like yeah. the logo for the uh, I mean, he looked Rams. like a, He looked like a full mm. curl and then, like, extras, Yeah, there was right? a bigger ram later that I saw, but I, I was happy with him after I got him home because I like the way he kind of curled. Oh, curl, oh curl. yeah. I, I personally awesome. think those are the coolest-looking rams when they're tight and symmetrical. Yeah. I mean, it's cool when they're, like, the coo-you-looking flared-out guy. But when they're tight like that, I mean, I just always thought, like, that guy was the best fighter because he had all his density <laughs> up in tight, and he could really <coughs> put the hammer down. Yeah. That's really cool. So you did – so you pulled all these sheep home. Did you actually bust all the horns off and, and then boil them and bleach them and yeah. do everything yourself? I did. Uh, okay. Uh, you know, if I – usually I cut them off because I didn't want to haul the extra weight because I've been hauling everything. You know, I'm usually by myself. And, and so, how many trips have you done pre-scouting well, and everything yeah. else, you know? Yeah. So I uh, I just sawed them off up there, you know, yeah, and left them that way. I did. I, I think I brought out two or three full skulls, which I kind of, I like the full skull. You You're know, talking the Euro? Yet. Yeah, European. Yeah, I, I call yeah. all these European, but I there's uh, one or two up there. See, that, those, of course, that's a pickup right there. Yeah. And, oh, uh, number five? He's yeah. heavy. Mm. Or number three? Number three? Number three is a deadhead? It looks like it. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, I, I, I like the skull. We just boil the whole thing out. It's got the, uh, the nose and everything there. Um, I carved one at home. Uh, one I shot in 79, uh, Beagle River. It was uh, 14 inch bases, I think, and 36 inches. And uh, uh, it was the most aggressive, uh, I guess carving that i've done on a, on a sheep sheep horns uh, you got a picture the there hey, i'm trying to find it see if i can find it here see if you can find it you can what, airdrop what, it to me what's like the type of inspiration when you're doing the carving well you know um i've been carving since i retired in 1999 uh, and i got files and, and you get better at anything just like when joe romero first started you know he <clears throat> you get better and know uh, what you're looking at and, yeah and you want it it just takes time and uh, my first carvings uh, didn't were, you know, so so, and yeah. uh, and then you you the next one you the next one you're gonna uh, not do the same make the same mistake, and once you take the material off, you can't put it back. Yeah, right? One so, chance, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Scrimshaw is that what's called, right? No, I, I actually carve. Uh, what's the difference? Well, scrimshaw is where you just take and etch in, and then you put mm. uh, some you know, coloration in there, mm. and, and then you sand it off, and it, and it leaves. It's, it's more like a drawing. Right. Oh, okay. okay. I didn't know yeah. that. This is carving. Uh, when I find this thing, I'm not real good. At, I'm not high tech here. You need an Instagram page. Yeah, I guess I do. Yeah. 
Um, when you find it, if you airdrop it to yeah. me, I'll put All it right. up on yeah, the go camera ahead. there. Whenever you're ready. Well, here's uh, that's a hell of a collection. I, I'm kind of curious too, Lou. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have your 35 harvested sheep. I imagine all sealed and you know recorded in the books, state and, you want me to do and Crockett and the whole thing. Well, this is one that I did. It's different. Uh, yeah, I'll it to but I here. put it oh, up there. I've seen that before. Why have I, where have I seen that before? I don't think you ever seen one of those lishes in the house. I, uh, I, I this is what I I split the horn, and it took me ten hours, five hours to split each horn, and I tried to do it on a bandsaw. I about cut my hand off and I ruined the horn. So I took time and just did it slow. But what happens is it? Oh wow! You get the translucent effect. There we go. We got it. Yeah. On the tip. Wow, that looks amazing. Holy shit, that wow. Is so cool. So what dude. I've got, I, what I have is I have five rams coming, and they're all Boone and Crockett. I don't do small. <laughs> you and, don't do uh, you don't do quarter curls. No. And, uh, <laughs> but some of these are off of different ones. Like there's a Pete Buckaloo ram up there. It's forty-seven five eighths. I got I, I, some. I, I I take pictures. I um, of course out of books. Uh, and whatever, and then I uh, blow them up or reduce them down in size and try to, and then, of course, try to get the cut. I have one that's different than that. that. So how long does it take you to do one? Each, well, each animal? Let's say one side. five hours in each animal up there. Five hours of each one? Oh, for each? For each animal. uh, Each animal. Yeah. So in total, this whole thing takes you. 40 hours I got about 50 to 60 hours in carving. And then there's a drawing up process. I'll show you this one here in a minute. This it's totally different if I can find it. Wow, that is so cool looking. Yeah, it's awesome. How do you what attach I, that to that I, board there? Well, uh, I um, <clears throat> I drilled a hole through the bottom, and then uh, it takes a lot of just guessing me. I put it yeah. on my on my on my uh, I got a belt sander there, and it turned it about the way I wanted it, so it would grind it down a little bit flat on that side there, uh-huh. and then. It, in order, so, I'd like to get them both to come up exactly. Oh, you did a there. great job yeah, on you it. Did. That's cool how it's how the light goes through. Yeah, yeah, the translucent effect really. I, I liked it. I hadn't planned on doing. A, this is a third set that I've done, and I'm probably not going to do another one because no one's going to want to pay me for. Uh, like, well, let me show you the. Is the backside still just the backside horn, is, uh, horn is looking? split? Yeah, and okay. one, the, one thing you can find out I, uh, in my book, I, I did that before, and, and when you split a horn like that, you can see how they they put on the horn fr- uh, around the core, and they go out, and there's no no such thing as a false annuli. It's it's you know, if you uh, oh really no, uh, it's uh, it's clear cut in there. So I do have an eleven year old. You're saying it's subjective. Yeah. It's <laughs> subjective. My, my non full curl. Oh, it's so subjective when you go in there right. and you got five guys looking at it trying yeah. to decide what it is. So you're thinking that the false annuli are what then? Well, real, it, real it, years? No, they can't. They aren't all necessarily real years, and the only way you'd know is to be able to split it. Oh, okay. To give I you see. a good example, Bob Hodgson has one that he uh, that he shot about two or three years ago. It came out of the Brooks Range. Uh, he wanted me to look at it and see what I thought. Fishing Game uh, said it was 16 and maybe 17, and so uh, when I looked at it, what it was was the um, of course, they have more growth out when they're young, right. and then it's less and less and less. Ideally, it, if every winter was the same, you're right. And but they aren't, and so you can have regression. You can have this much growth one year, and you might have this much the next year. Yes, and then oh. again, it can go like this. Right. And of course, as it gets down, as they get older, 
sometimes, like the one they found out here last two years ago that was 13 years old, underneath the hair, where the hair is growing here, there was three, the last three years were right here. You could only see 10 years of growth, but the last three are a quarter inch. down in the base oh, wow. there. Yeah. Mm. And that was, a, you know, a real big ram. He had wasn't putting on much horn right. uh, after that. Well, Bob, uh, not Bob Hudson, but Kevin Dana, uh, who has uh, Barney's shop right. there, he shot this ram, and so I looked at it, and I said, well, okay, which, it's got all these different ones, quite a bit of growth, a little growth, quite a bit, and it, six of those. And they counted six of them, no, they counted four of them and didn't count the other two so which ones do you if you're going to count those you to me you either count them all or you discount them all he's either 12 or he's 18 yeah, and right I, the like, only way you'd know would be because uh, see he's got a really he's got an addition there that goes all the way around and it's dark and it goes around the entire could horn. they do an x-ray or an mri well there's there is something i think that they could do and i'm not sure if kevin did you can send a tooth off, I think, one of the insiders down here. Okay, and get the true and, uh, age. And then they put it under a microscope, and then they can tell, uh, I guess, he, I don't know. I think they, sa they said that that's within a year or two accuracy. Uh -huh. So yeah. there's no definitive way of... Unless you split it. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. right. Now, what was that Ram's age officially for the books? Was it 16? For Dana? For Kevin's? For, Kevin? for Kevin's, yeah. They said 16, maybe 17. Okay. <sighs> So I looked at it, and I, I got a page going to do in Rampages four, and I and I said, I think it's, I think it's eighteen. Uh, Hell it's yeah! Be the oldest ram that I know of. I've got a, I got a uh, a friend that shot a ram. It's in Rampages one, uh, book two. Uh, he shot it in Brooks Range, which they used typically get uh, older up there mm. because of the dry weather and uh, uh, survivability is better. Yeah, and so they they live long. Tend to live not long. as rugged. That could be as, uh, a part as well, but not yeah, as maybe bad better winters. Feet. Not as bad. Yeah, yeah they the get winters, the drier winters and right. less snow. Although yeah. they've had some problems recently uh, with that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, this ram was seventeen, and uh, uh, fishing game said it was seventeen. I thought it was sixteen, but it uh, very well could be. In, uh, it's in volume two there. If you wanted to pull it out, it's a big. It's a big ram. Uh, it, well, it scored one seventy four Boone and Crockett, and it uh, it's uh, just tip them open, they'll come out. And it it's in the, the second story in volume two. Who's on the back of this? Uh, that's uh, Marty Webb. Okay. There's 1,289 photos in there, and Ooh, of wow. all the hunters that look at the photos, if every if you put to, took took the top hundred sheep out of there, and had people vote on them, you probably would have 90 percent of people saying that ram on the backside there you're talking about Marty Webb's is uh, the most spectacular looking ram, and the reason why. Is I finally pretty figured, hard to argue. That yeah, thing is that thing magnificent. is amazing. This I, one on this side. Look at look at the horns on this one over here. Uh, is, that, is that the one in the, the, you're on, like in a glacier? You're yeah, right. That's a swank ram. Now that swank ram is uh, is heavy. It's fifteen and a half inch bases. It uh, it also is forty eight inches long. The one on the other side is forty six. But look how the horns come out. The swank ram comes out at a forty five degree angle on the back. And the, this ram over here, the uh, Marty Webb's ram, it kicks out further to the side, and it kicks the uh, tips into the, his cheek, mm -hmm. and it also uh, turns a flat part of the horn to your face. So when you're looking at it, it looks huge. Yeah, it does. And it, it's, I mean, it's... What are the bases on this one, Marty's? You know, it scores, I'm not sure. I think they're over 14. I think it scores 173, uh, 183 and 7 eighths. Uh, so it's six inches less 
Yeah, turn the next page. Yeah. Wow. Look, look at that ram there. Oh that that ram is 13 and 7 eighths on the base. It only loses an eighth of an inch on the first turn, and the second one is all, uh, the third quarter. Third quarter Jeez. is 10 and 3 eighths. It's under 38 inches, and it scores 174. It's 17 years old. It, it's, it's a gladiator. I mean, it's a. Oh, wow. It's just as neat as a. Uh, What's that gentleman's name? His name is. Uh, Bill Murray. Bill, uh, Bill, yeah, Bill Murf Murphy. Bill, Bill, Murphy. Bill Murphy? Yeah. Bill. And, and Bill Murphy got a seven, well, a, arguably a 17 year old ram? Yep. That's what Fishing Game said. Wow. It's, it's, it's an old ram. It's insane uh, how these. What did Boone and Crockett officially up, say it was? Like, tr like a age. tree. Well, you know, Boone and Crockett liked it so much that. Uh, now, Bill died within the last year. He had. Um, um, Parkinson's, and uh, and so he. Uh, but I think two years ago they wanted him to bring that ram back uh, for one of their uh, anniversaries, things like that. So they paid to have it and him to come down, and it's one of the showcase pieces in their uh, presentation for that year. Wow! It's uh, it, it would be harder if I had somebody's going to kill me if uh, if I didn't uh, come back with a ram like that. Or one like, uh, oh, say, a, a 180 Ram and Longhorns, or a, 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 I'd, I, I'd have a stand a better chance, I think, of taking a, a 180 Ram, or I mean, a Ram like 180 or something like that, and had Longhorns than to take one like his. Yeah. Oh, look at this. Hold on a second. Oh, whoa. Sorry, Lucifer. Yeah, Lucifer. Jack and I on a sheep hunt saw one like this that had the horn that comes down like that. Mm -hmm. And look, it broke off on this side. Yeah. It was coming and back we called it face. Lucifer. It was coming back to its face, and we yeah. wonder, like, is that going to kill it? The, the one we saw was even more at an angle where it was going to go into its jaw. Yeah, like, it can. It, it was going to for sure. Okay, I asked. Look how uh, I call him. Oh, my That's goodness. Brendan Burns. Yeah, that's um, a, a QU guy. But for people that are just listening, I mean, the ram horn pretty much comes straight down mm -hmm. and into its, into, into its jaw. Biologists over in Canada look, did look a, a study, and they found that uh, it's genetic abnormality. They say it's in every herd, all four North American species. And uh, it seems to be more in the, uh, um, what's it called, uh, white mountains. They mm. call them stumpies. It can be in both horns. So I asked Brandon, uh, Brent, uh, Brendan, if he would send me a picture of this. Uh, it's in there in Volume 3, of what the cores look like. The cores are probably two-thirds or maybe half as long. So they don't get that curvature going so that the horns curve properly. And uh, so what that happen, happens is they start twisting. You can see it right up here. That horn starts twisting like this, and it starts heading back towards the cheek. Oh, that angle changes. It does. It starts pushing it up. Yeah, exactly. Man, I wonder how many sheep actually suffer like an agonizing. Well, there's, yeah. if you look in volume three, there's uh, some in there that come up and they come right in front of the eye and actually block the vision. Wow. Uh, there's a guy down in Canada shot a, uh, uh, it's in um, a book uh, the guy did for, what's it called? Uh, Dream Rams or something like that, I think it was. Um, uh, and he's got a picture of, of a stone that comes around and they're kind of bent here, I think. 
because of probably short course, and they come down and they come like us here, and they come out and, and I don't I don't think touch or what like us here in front, and then they go out like and oh it's, my god, it's over forty, it's really neat. And uh, how does he even walk? He's straight? just grumpy all the time. <laughs> he was lucky too. And then there's another one a guy shot, and it came out, and it had the abnormality of uh, the horns dropped off up here; they fell off. And but they came out and they came right up in here like this here and and I don't see how they they couldn't hardly see very good to right. be able to walk and you know stumble around right, right. or run from predators yeah. And, yeah. yeah so wow sneak up on those better easier I guess well, that's right <laughs> wow man and now uh, uh, Brendan uh, Stumpy what was Brendan's last name again Burns. Burns 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 I'm just making some notes here boys so what was the story with this one that's on the cover of Volume Two. Yeah, that, um, they hunted that sheep uh, for two weeks. He was. Uh, what range is that out of? It's in Brooks Range. Brooks a lot of people don't believe that because uh, you, a lot, including myself, back at the time. But there's been other sheep that have been taken out of there, and um, a lot of people just didn't think that they had a capability. But there's also some over in Canada. They found that took that picture of that one ram out of Yellowknife up there. It's 100 miles above the Arctic uh, Circle. And it uh, was huge and questionable. I got a picture of it in uh, volume three uh, of that ram, and it's probably pushing 50 inches. And it's, uh, I got a 46 and a half, and mine's broomed off on one side to 40 and a half. My 46 and a half side is probably the short side on this ram. That, uh, and it's, mine's got 14 inch bases. And the picture that uh, the guy took of that ram, um, it's got, looks like 15 inch bases. Wow. So I'm guessing it could have very easily been up in the could have broke 190. I don't know. You know, you never never know. Where in the book is it? It's um, you, uh, there's so many pages. You don't know. You don't yeah. have the page number memorized. Uh, <laughs> uh, Tom, uh, I want to give it to me here. I'll, I, right. Tom Sochek, uh took these pictures. He got it. Uh, they, uh, they called him down the FBI and different ones. They they wanted to know where he got. He thought they thought he got him in the park. Uh-huh. And he says, "Listen, oh. I just, I'm just taking pictures." He said, "I didn't shoot anything," and so I don't have to tell you where I was at. But he did come out with a story later. He wrote a story for this book, and and I gave him two two copies. Uh, there's the one I found right there. That oh uh, wow scores one eighty three and a half. Wow. It's got, it's got it's fifteen inches around, ten inches out. And if it had, it only had 43 and a half inch horns. If it had been in the ground for a couple of years, got uh, the skull is, uh, let's see yeah. if I can find Is this the picture of the one that was on like sheep, what, sheep hunting Alaska book? Um, the, the ram you're looking for. And it was, the picture was taken like around 2000 maybe. Yeah. Probably, yeah. yeah okay. It's on, it's on the front of Tony Russ's yes, uh, book. Yeah. 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 And where everyone thought it was taken in the park. Yeah. yeah it yeah, was, uh, it was according to him. And I, I, I believe that's true. Here it is. Uh, it was over out of Yellowknife. He flew up in there, and he finally found it, and he got pictures of it. But he- here's some of the pictures of it. Oh, wow. Um, it's huge. And it's yeah. old. Yeah. It's These also, are the one. This see, is the ram. See how it's kind of get. I mean, it's getting skinny. It's, it's, uh, he's an old man. He, right. He, he, didn't, he died that winter. The one on top we're talking about? Top right there. Yeah. yeah. And then is he also the same ram on the left mm-hmm. on the top? Yeah. Right. Well, that other one's old too, but he's busted off on both sides. Yeah, yeah, those uh, are two old. Like their their faces get skinny. Is that starting to show their age? Or, well, or, a, a good example uh, in this next book coming out. Uh, Ryan Miller is fantastic <laughs> photographer, and there's several there's several others. Uh, but I'm going to have about 300 photos of just live sheep, 
And uh, he's got a sequence. Uh, someone found the one Ram. It was 46 I think, inches, something like that. Scored like 176 or 175, whatever. Um, he has a sequence in there uh, from four years old. He, he says you start telling if it's going to be a big Ram, if he lives. So he goes up and he lives with these. I mean, she right. uh, and spends. Uh, and this is Ryan I, Miller. Yeah, we figured. I figured he didn't want to say and stuff, and so I kind of got it out of him. I said, "Well, he's spending two hundred days a year. You know, a lot of times uh, when he first started, and probably one hundred and fifty days. Uh, you know, and for right. the last fifteen years, that's uh, that's over twenty thousand hours uh, wow. time. So he's." He's put in his time, and of course, when you do that, you're going to get some great photos. And he's got the good equipment and all that. But anyway, we got uh, going to have two pages, and he got uh, the ram from four years old all the way to thirteen. At twelve years old, he was buff. He he was knocking everybody's head off and uh, doing most of the breeding. But he wore himself out every year. He did. But you know, if the last several years. Remember last year we had, uh, or two years ago we had that real late spring. Yep. And. Uh, and that sort of thing is terrible on sheep. Right. They, yeah. You know, they're, they're just dragging and yeah. barely making it through. And then if something like that happens, they die or a wolf comes along. And what happened, this guy found it. He brought it out and showed it to me. Uh, wolverines were on it. He didn't know if it was at the bottom of a cliff, about a 100-foot cliff, and it was dead, and the wolverines were dissembling it. And so he uh, ran them off, and he's got a picture of uh, one of the uh, – going to be in the book as well. Ran pages four and five. We've got about 1,200 more pages coming out, and then I'm done. But uh, you got a wolverine headed for the brush with one of the hind quarters, and you can see the ball joints, you know, sticking oh, out. Oh man! Wow. And the other wolverine's on it, and he got it claws that dug into it, and he's chewing on the rib cage. And uh, so he brought that wow. out, called fishing game. They showed up. Uh, gave, he gave the horns to them at the bottom of the hill because he didn't want to get that uh, trouble. Right. Back, yeah. Uh, take, right. Bring them out. And so that ram, he he was hardly moving at all. Uh, he was just stayed in the one the one spot. He didn't move from wintering grounds to summering grounds because he's too weak, mm. and and he was skinny. See, oh, that's your there he is right there on your, that big picture right there. That's him. Oh, that's it. Yep. That, um, Jerry. Um, Jerry. Jerry. Jerry Harrod found it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's uh, see how skinny his neck is, and he yeah, was yeah. weak, and so he died two weeks before the season was over. It was September fifteenth, right around there. Mm. And, wow! Uh, so he barely. Uh, so I got pictures it. of that guy from Ryan, all the way from four years old, all the way to thirteen. Uh, that's so cool. And it was skinny neck, and uh, yeah. it, you can tell they're not going to last long. No. He would have never made it through another winter. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, no way. Yeah. He wasn't able to recover from before. From b- the the. But the way Jerry, before. they're not Jerry, but the way Ryan talks, even though it, it would have been interesting. If he had survived to the rut, would the hormones kick in and make him go and try anyway? Mm. Or did he know that he was done? done? Yeah, yeah, it was expiring. Yeah. Um, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with some trivia and um, get a little bit more into the details of Rampages. Big Ray's The Alaskan Outfitter, committed to outfitting Alaskans across the state since 1947. Whether you're a recreator, parent, guide, or corporate buyer, Big Ray's has the gear you need tailored for Alaska's harsh conditions. At Big Ray's, you'll find brands like Carhartt, Grundens, Darn Tough, FXD, Okiware, and more. Big Ray's is your one-stop shop for both outdoor gear and rugged work attire. Check out their new exclusive line of durable but affordable waders, inspired by and named after the majestic Aralic River in remote western Alaska. 
The Aralek Wader was designed by Alaskans and proven for the diverse waters of the last frontier. Visit Big Rays at any of their five locations statewide, two in Anchorage, two in Fairbanks, one in Kodiak, or check them out online at BigRays.com. Tailored Restoration, helping Alaskans turn disasters into new beginnings since 1972. Their 24-hour services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, and repairs. Tailored built its reputation with years of committed and reliable service to the community with innovative restoration and home remodeling. When you have an unexpected home issue at the most improbable time, Tailored has an emergency response number with trained professionals available to help you anytime, day or night. Tailored Restoration has locations to serve you in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu or Fairbanks. Give them a call at 907-344-1239 or make an appointment today at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck, Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and Overlander products. If you want to customize your vehicle, talk to the team at Total Truck where you'll find their expertise along with top brands such as ARE, RSI Smart Caps, Goose Gear, Eye Camper, Front Runner, Rigid Lights, Rhino Lining Bed Liners, and everything you need to outfit your truck or SUV. Want to turn your truck into a sleeping option? They have rooftop tents, custom camping equipment, electronics, and solar energy packages to keep you powered up deep in the backcountry. Stop by their store location on Dowling between the new and old Seward Highway, or check them out at TotalTruckAK.com. There's just some incredible content in those those books, man. Heck well, yeah. You know, it took me 11 years doing that in the uh, in wintertime for seven months. And mm-hmm. uh, at first I was going to, people said you ought to write a set of, write some books. Well, I was too busy carving. Then I got to thinking, well, you know, if I'm going to do this, I better, I, I think I can do it in a year or two. And uh, so I started and, and, uh, and then I, uh, I was, ended up, Sarah Palin was uh, governor and I got put on the board of game. And so I got into the politics and, and the management. Uh, mm. And uh, so I met a lot of people and everybody like you, you know, 10 people I don't and everybody else. And it just goes and goes. And like my wife says, it'll never be done. Well, right. I got most of the big players in this one here, but I found some people that bought books since then that are uh, one guy shot 30 something Rams and and uh, taking some really nice ones. In fact, he shot that, uh, Jerry Lees, he shot that really, the biggest ram two years ago, or it was last year. And the other one that was with it, I, I'll show you some pictures. I guess it doesn't matter. The one that was with it was not very long, but, man, it was, they're both 12 years old, and that one was broomed off. It's actually probably heavier than the one we looked at here. Really? Murphy's ram. Yeah, it's wow. unbelievable. Wow. How's your, um, how's your trivia game? Lou? My trivia game, I'm probably not very good. I wouldn't do very good on, uh, what's that show on TV that... Uh, to be a millionaire? Je- Jeopardy? Jeopardy, yeah. Uh, <laughs> come on, you got to... Go you want to bring the mic a little? There yeah. you go. There you All go. right, well, we're going to test not only your... Yeah, I got some book Not only your um, trivia, but Brandon and myself, and we are really bad at it, so you have a good chance here, all right? <laughs> I think I might hold the record. I, mean, I, I, I got the record, you think? I put dubs, one in man. there for you, Lou. Okay. So. All right, so this uh, tri- session of trivia is brought to you by the Mayor's Salsa. Small batch salsa, five different flavors. It's balls. Coming out here soon on uh, alaskawildproject.com. Hell yeah, it's so good. I had it on a taco tonight. It's hard not to eat the whole jar. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> All right. So then I'm going to give Lou, uh, Lou a freebie. He, Lou, you go last on this one, okay? All right. All right. Well, um, so the rampages, Lou worked on them for 11 What's years. For wow. Thanks, bro. When was the first volume printed? When was the what first the volume? First, the first book. The first volume one. When was volume one oh. printed? Um, the same year all the other ones were because they came out of the <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, no hints. Um, Brandon should know this because he actually went to the Palmer House thing with you. I, I, had I don't a, know that he spe- specified that particular detail, but I'm going to say 2010. 2010? Okay, that's a good guess. Um, he said about two years, and I believe he started in 2008. Don't quote me on that. I'm going to say just, 2012. Well, I started them in 2008, right around there. But I said it. I thought it would take me two years. It took me. It took me seven years. And ha! so, <laughs> uh, uh, I could carve this t- thing out in about 40 hours. 2018. Yeah, That's right. 2018. 18. Yeah. Wow. So the uh, so you're I'm, up. I'm in the lead now. Yeah. yeah. In the lead. But yeah. I would. I would have guessed where you guessed, Brandon, just because they they're like infamous, right? So they they like carry like uh, like almost like a, a longer life. Well, and before Lou, yeah, and before Lou mentioned coming out at the same time, I thought my theory was that they came out one at a time. So I yeah. thought, oh, he got the first one done in two years, right? And then the second one maybe a couple years later or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I probably should have done that, but uh, I uh, <laughs> just did the full stack. I, I, yeah, I just when I wrote the whole thing and it all came out like that, and there was uh, they were done. And if I was to do the one. And uh, and wait till it sold before they wanted me to do that. In fact, the, the publisher wanted to cut the first one in half, so it would made six books. I said, "No way! This thing would take ten years or more to for to sell them." And and then uh, the other volumes are getting uh, outdated as far as that uh, some of the stuff that's in there. Yeah. So I didn't want to do that. All right. Okay. So next question. So I I was gonna ask some. I want to have a doll sheep question, but then I was like, okay, we asked a lot before that, before this on our trivia. And then, I mean, Lou knows a lot. So I was like, oh, what's a basic biology one? That would be really interesting. So, you You're know, talking we, mitochondria? We, we know about yeah, DNA. Sure. We, we know all about like the f- polar bears fur, you yeah, know? Uh, but I was like, what is the coat made up of on a doll sheep? I had no idea. So I looked it up. Oh, so the question is, what is the doll sheep's coat made of? Like what? Um, is it is it like one part, multiple parts, and what are those individual parts? Mm. I have to kind of ask it in a way that doesn't <coughs> give out the answer. Okay. So I, I'm, I'm going to just like throw something maybe like layman's term type shit. Like a Labrador retriever has hollow hair, right? Okay. To make it float and mm-hmm. swim mm-hmm. so is that kind of like yeah you, know, you yeah. talk about a polar bear yeah, right yeah, very yeah. similar built you know genetically to yeah. swim to be yeah. part of you exactly know, water so that would so, be like a part of a labrador right so what are all the parts of the, sh- the sheep, sheep coat and they're they're from the mountains uh, lou I'm going to say the skin. I'm going to say the skin. And then I'm going to say there's got to be some sort of under base layer of really tight knit, um, almost wooly style fur. And then the hollow hair on the outside. Mm. Uh, The sheep have hollow hair and it's thicker than a a goat. Goat has the uh, under, uh, like a a musk ox has that uh, 
what do they call that caveat type stuff mm -hmm. a goat has that in there and um my grandson did a took from joe romero all the different different hides and stuff put them on yeah. a can put uh in into uh hot water in there and then tested them see how who which one would keep it uh, the longest oh and, that's uh, cool muskox was number one all right which would you th you'd think anyway yeah yeah mm -hmm. and uh surprisingly a lot of the other ones are very close deer and and some uh, but a but a, but a ram you know a goat's probably a little bit better hmm. they're they're thicker they got that kivet stuff underneath but uh so they, so long hollow hair mm -hmm. and anything else i don't think they have any of that uh um uh, other stuff underneath all right like a like a goat the base layer all right. all right we'll call it the base yeah and they have a real uh, ram sheep in general are very thin-skinned animal yeah. is that would that be accurate i think well, like when you're skinning them the, the the skin is so right soft like they don't, they don't have as thick a skin as a goat goats mm -hmm. are uh-huh or even like a moose stronger. or something i mean when yeah. you're skinning uh -huh. a sheep it just kind of like yeah um i don't really have an answer to the question okay. it's like way above my my head pay grade everything da grade. daniel nailed it so there is a wool underlayer there is there's okay. a wool underlayer and it is wool yeah could, it's a sheep and then okay. a long hollow um two inch in the winter um fur so wow. they call them guard hairs but and that yeah. wool base yeah. layer is guard really hairs. what kind of helps them survive through the winter oh, that's two, two buddy two. Oh, yeah. so that was cool do you, do you win cool. do you win a, a uh rampages kit for this <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe Lisa. Oh, okay yeah. hey, yeah. Yeah. Right. two for two oh. two right. for two all right. all i gotta all get right. all three though maybe I think. all right okay so um the you know doll sheep bighorn sheep you know desert sheep they're all wild sheep how many species of wild sheep are there in the world Ooh, this is good this is good Kaepernick okay. or whatever they call them well uh, uh i'd say 28 28. 28. Whoa, whoa. Oh, okay. That's good that you went first. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> um, man, yeah, because there's a lot when you start going into like, you watch like European cheap hunts and stuff like that. Well, and there's some that are, are, now, are now gone, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. well, this is like how many are living ex now. Existing and living yeah, yeah. now. Okay, I'm going to go off. Yeah. The, we're not talking about the dinosaur rams and stuff. <laughs> okay. Yeah, my my, uh, my initial like just my gut my my blurt instinct was gonna be 22 22 okay. i'm gonna say 16 all right all right 200, <laughs> 200. oh yeah. what there's 200 yeah lou different you types win of rampages yeah <laughs> yep. there you go <laughs> all right <laughs> 200 different species of wild 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 sheep, sheep. yep mm. wow yes sir wow i'll send you the link after the show that's incredible how much would it I cost mean, to get a, uh, kill all those and have them mounted yeah that's yeah. the new grand slam let's just narrow down to i mean you got alaska Can we name a bunch well let's just talk about alaska and, and canada yukon british columbia uh, what, what do we got there like two Two, three, maybe three bighorn. Fannin count. Yeah, yeah, you got bighorn stone and and doll, yeah, and, and then it. and then North America. You got well, the they've got uh, some they probably count different, like the California bighorn and. Uh, oh, they'll yeah. they'll sell them out for two hundred. That's uh, yeah, maybe you'd have to count regionally like that. Okay, I just think what about, about well, just like well known, like what are the European ones? I mean, there's Marco Polo. Yeah, when well, you have the. 
high Altai or Gali, the mid Altai right. and the low, and then you have the. Uh, um, Are ibex considered their own thing? Is that a goat? I think more it's of a goat? an antelope, maybe. Oh, yeah. okay. Kaepernick or whatever they call them, I'm not sure. I I never hunted those. And don't Did you ever go so. international hunting? No. And here's the reason why. I, I, I've i been spoiled up here, and the guy just came and bought a set of books uh, two or three days ago. And he went over, and uh, and I have some other friends that have gone over, and they get a 57-inch Marco Polo. And, uh, these things are incredible. But... You know, there's. It's all relative. The same yeah. with the doll sheep. If you get a uh, a forty inch sheep, well, it looks pretty nice. But boy, if you get a forty six, forty eight, boy, there's a big difference. Right. So if you're going over and you're spending enough, somebody who has a lot of money, mm-hmm. and and they're not worried about dropping fifty thousand dollars, whatever. This guy, he figures uh, got a cheaper hunt, twenty eight thousand, and he got a forty six inch sheep. They're telling him, shoot, shoot. Shoot. They don't speak hardly any English. They see some running. He said it's 650 yards, and they were running, and they want him to shoot. He said he wasn't going to shoot because he said it's too far, you know. Yeah. So, and they're running. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, anyway, it's, I, I don't want to drop that kind of money and then have to shoot something that uh, on the first day or, yeah. or whatever. I, I want to pressured into I wanna, it. I want to have an opportunity to take the biggest thing that's – that can be there and i want them to work hard for me you right know, I, I don't want to just say well there's a sheep shoot it and you're done right you know? and you want to work hard right yeah yeah and if i don't get a big one as long as there's some there you know but then uh, let's face it there's places where they'll take you and they and they know that there's nothing there and or very little and they'll take your money and run you around and you go home well that's, that's the way it is but yeah and not everybody can get a sheep if everybody did pretty soon there wouldn't be any Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, that's one reason why I decided I did a couple assistant guiding things, and uh, the guy's got like 37 and a 39-inch ram, and they weren't ha- necessarily happy. The guy who got 39 was happy because he had shot one before. It was 26. Mm-hmm. And uh, so uh, Curly and it, and it had 15-inch bases, but it really petered out. And di- and it was, and, and, but he, he, he was happy with that's it. That's a very respectable sheep. But the guy that got the 37, him and his son, they got them on the third day, and they weren't happy because they thought they should have something better. And uh, I said, well, if you get transferred somewhere else and you lose a day, and then if you have some bad weather, you lose some, you, you know, this is a, this, this is a good, good ram. And, you know, not yeah, everybody hit, can get a 40-inch ram. Hang right. your hat on a harvest, no man. No kidding. Like, right. And, um, is that – I want to like craft this question: uh, the glorification yeah. of sheep hunting. Um, Lou, you you come from a, a unique glory day of finding true trophy, like massive. Like, he was spotting them from time. Fort Rich, man. Once in a lifetime, yeah. <laughs> um, shit from the look from where your house is, you're probably gonna spot her. You might. Yeah, you might spot some right there on Pioneer. Yeah, it's like yeah. That it, one right there, actually. Is the glorification and unrealis- unrealistic expectation of what a trophy is to a hunter, is that why that guy is disappointed in the 37? I mean, I think 90% of us local resident mm-hmm. sheep hunters in Alaska would be over the moon with that ram. Um, number one, just to harvest one and well, say, I got gone, one. Mm-hmm. And then two... Uh, if, if I don't you, know. We're like we're like 
Today, we're not hunting for 40 inches. We're just hunting right. for something legal. If you're going out, it's your first one. Like I said, I got a 36-inch ram. is a full curl. I was happy with it. I I worked really hard for it. I, sh- I shot it. Talk about it a lot. So we're, I'm sure you're we're still proud there, of it to this we're day. We're in there right? 19 days, and me and this other guy. And when we f- first got up there, there were other camps. Well, 19 I, days on the hunt? Yeah. So I I go with the philosophy if someone's already there, I'm not going to go in on top of them. Right. Absolutely. And uh, so we took uh, and we went all the way back to the left side of. Uh, eagle glacier mm-hmm. and hit that big hogback kind of like a dinosaur hogback went up on the top of that and got up there and i could really see the other side really well on the other uh, side just on the drainage up from uh heritage falls which goes up into polar bear uh it's, there's a big bowl up in there there was a tent down to bottom so we weren't finding anything where we were at and uh so we just kind of watched and the tent came down and they headed down the mountain so we boogied down the mountain we and they heard all this shooting going on it was a bunch of military guys they didn't know what they were doing uh there was uh 14 rams up in that valley and they didn't get go after them for whatever reason and so we talked to them down the bottom and and what they were doing is they're they're shooting their ammunition off they had pistols and rifles and they're shooting the ammunition so they have to pack it out i mean that's all these guys crazy. are, you know, they're young and they're uh, stupid yeah. and just having a fun or whatever. I don't know, you know, how you describe people like that. I grew up in the logging woods and uh, I didn't didn't waste stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. So anyway, they were done and it was I was happy because well, they're done. So we took off and yeah, we went right up in there where they were at. And um, <clears throat> when we got up there, there was fourteen rams up in, in that bowl, and so they they split off and. Two of the bigger ones took off. Well, I'm not sure if they're bigger. I don't even remember now, but they were legal. They split off and went up in the rocks like this. So I took off, went around, and started up after them. And I got within 75 yards of both of them, but only one at a time would come out and show himself. And I was greedy. I was. I didn't know which one was the biggest. I wanted oh, to shoot the yeah. biggest one. And so I didn't shoot either one of them, and they got away from me. I could hit them with, with the baseball if I had it. Uh, well, maybe it was that close. And uh, I, I, back, I played baseball in college as a catcher, and I could throw the ball really. You could I rip mean, that thing yeah. to second yeah. base. Yeah. So anyway, in fact, if I, I I thought about it since and talk about uh, what do you call it, uh, uh, fair chase and all that, mm-hmm. I believe I could have killed one with a spear uh, back then. I may not have been a very big one, but <laughs> yeah. I you know yeah. I think I could have. You could have got close enough to actually. Yeah, you have one. to work a lot harder at. It. In fact, I figured out, and a lot of guys have asked me, how much harder is it to hunt? I, they come in the house and look at my rams and stuff, and, and they say, well. How much harder is it to hunt with a bow? Because some of them are bow hunters. And I said, well, I've always said, well, it's 10 times as hard. So it's an easy way to figure it out. The average uh, uh, bow hunter, back in statistics in my chapter, are 2.5% successful. The average wow. uh, average rifle hunter is uh, 38% successful. So you divide one into the other, and it's 14.4. So that's probably pretty yeah. close. Yeah. But... Uh, Anyway, what was the question before we were talking we, about? We were, we were, uh, you were telling the story of the thirty-six inch. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we we go up there, and I head off up after these sheep, and uh, and once they go on up, it's sixty-four hundred and fifty feet or something like that to the top of the mountain. Then it goes on back around to Polar Bear, and on the back side, there's this big, humongous glacier, and you can see it from the visitor center. If you go back there at the visitor center and look up there, and you'll see this uh, glacier it goes like this here, and it's huge. And so, um, anyway, I follow them up, and on the back side there, it's the north side, it gets icy. 
because the sun doesn't shine there. Mm. And you heard the place where the sun don't shine. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's yeah. it. Yeah. That's the spot. That's and, where the Rams are. And I and it was getting. Uh, I was getting a little worried about the, you know the nice. slick. Yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. uh, it was dangerous. And so I couldn't get over the last part. They went right up over the top, probably another twenty feet, and I couldn't get over that. And because uh, you know. A young guy out there like that sometimes will do stuff and get himself into trouble. But I'd run, I'd figured out I, I can't do this. But I leaned out. I was able to get over here and I lean out, and I could see where that ridge went out like that. And there one of them was feeding, and the other one was laying down. And so I, sh- I wasn't really thinking. I shot the one. If he had stayed there, how would I have got him? You know, I'd had to figure out some way. I would eventually probably been able to do it. But he just fell out in the air, hit the glacier, and he slid down, and he hung up several hundred feet down below on a rock outcrop in the middle of the glacier. So anyway, I heard some shooting while I was going up after that ramp. So I went back to my buddy that was uh, down there, and he didn't like the hard rock. Uh, and uh, he said, uh, I flock shot. He said, I, and I saw them all bunched up, and he said, I tra- shot in the middle, see if I could get one of them. And, <laughs> and, 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 Duck style. That's yeah. called flock shots? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, uh, so like now then we head down the mountain. <laughs> And uh, I learned something else on that hunt. When I, when I, after I shot him, I, it was much, looked much shorter going down here. But when I got down with about a, a last hundred feet, I couldn't get off the mountain. So I had, I had to go all the way up. If I'd had it on my back, it had even been worse. Now I had to go all the way back up and retrace the this, way I'd come up. Yeah. So uh, I, that's one expensive, uh, good lesson to learn is always go the way that you know, unless you know you can get down the other way. Yep. Oh, we learned that once time. Yeah. The hard way. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's Going back uh, up the way we should. <laughs> uh, that's cliffed out. Uh, <laughs> hard is a good teacher. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, we walked around. It took two days. I went down, went around, shit. came back up the other direction. But the good thing about it was he had hung up on those rocks. His guts had been spilled out oh, perfect. Oh, and it was free uh, cold and so there, he was perfectly fine. He's already skinned Preserved. for you <laughs> well not quite not quite not quite skinned but uh it, it was dangerous and i really shouldn't probably shouldn't have done it but uh, you know you're driven to finish yeah and so i had uh, a gerber steel and it was flat like a chisel almost and so i chopped me some footholds going out there but if i had fallen i mean yeah, I would game, I would have been over. dead. Yeah. I'd have went down like a slide and right out in the midair. And uh, <clears throat> so anyway, I, I got out there. I <coughs> talking, get my sore throat here. Or a you get dry throat. In there. So anyway, I uh, <clears throat> the guy down below. He he was another thing he wasn't doing is he wasn't getting uh, taking care of his feet. He didn't take his boots off when he crossed oh. the stream. Mm. He'd walk them wet. And he had blisters on top of blisters, and he was he was hurting, so he didn't couldn't go up there and help me. So I got up there and didn't walk him dry, Lou. No, I've walked boots dry. Oh, yeah. but I'm sure you have. But he didn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's a flock shooter. He don't want to walk. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we, uh, I got up there, and I took half of it at a time. And so I, what I did was I, I didn't want the weight on my back, so I ended up uh, just putting a parachute cord on the pack. I got over there and I pulled it and it hung up on a rock. And I remember throw, I threw a rock at it and I dented the top of the frame, but eventually I got it loose and it swung around and uh, I got it. So I took that down. So I went back up and got the second load. When I went back for the second load, one of the quarters was gone, front shoulder. Uh-oh. Mm. So I figure it was either a golden eagle 
or a wolverine. And uh, I didn't see a bird, so uh, I'm assuming it was a wolverine. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, when I got back down that night, <clears throat> two days of really hard work on me, my part, I, I remember I shook myself. I mean, really just violently shook myself to sleep in the sleeping bag that night. Oh, you mean so, cold and, and well, I was, exhausted. I was fati- exhausted. Yeah. Fatigue, mm-hmm. I call it fatigue sickness. And, I yeah. mean, I was wore out and probably hadn't drank enough water and everything. Sure. And so I uh, was... Ate about know, 20 like, Snickers bars? No, nah, I didn't have that many. <laughs> <laughs> Hypothermia type deal. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah. right. <clears throat> so... What, what, what uh, rifle and cartridge were you using from the majority of your hunts? Well... For the first 30 rams that I shot, I, I used a 300 Weatherby. And what I did was I, uh, I studied ballistics and stuff, and I wanted to, uh, all I had was a 30-30. And that, my dad had given that to me. Uh, That's what my model, dad gave me. Model 94. Oh, lever action? Yeah, yeah. lever oh, action. Iron sights? My oh, dad, yeah. I've seen him shoot with that rifle, shot two, three bucks. Uh, I was with him, and he asked me if I wanted to shoot, and I could hardly see him. At 300 yards, he killed all three deer w- with that Open sight rifle. At 300 wow. yards? 300 yards. 30-30. Yep. Wow. He grew up in Arkansas back in the time when you, you didn't waste ammunition, and you, you'd shoot squirrels, wait for them to line up and kill two at once, you know. And So he, he was really a good <laughs> shot. Yeah. And, um, sounds like it. And so he got to where his eyes were not very good in close, but he could still see out there, and he wanted to hunt with so a better rifle. he would rifle. back up a little bit? Yeah. Huh? You'd have to back up a little oh, bit. What he did was uh, he, he went to a thirty out six and he put a scope on it and he says that's cheating, uh, you know. And, uh, Wait, so, it's way too close now. <laughs> yeah, but uh, so when I got up here, I I, t- I figured a, a flat shooting rifle was a three hundred Weatherby, and uh, so I had him go down and buy one for me there in Oregon. And he went down and bought a, the 300 Weatherby. It was made in Germany. It, it was, had the wooden stock, you know, pretty and all that. And uh, 300, uh, um, and box, two boxes of ammo, put a sling on it, and put a 3 to 9 Redfield uh, scope on it. Mm. So he sent it up to me, and the ammunition was just 300. He didn't know that it had to have Weatherby ammunition. He he oh, just specifically, <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, you know, I thought, well, if I ever shoot a moose or if I run into a brown bear, is 300 should take care of all of it. And it did. But I uh, was on a uh, hunt for uh, moose uh, down on the peninsula one time out of a boat, and we went over after a moose, and... Uh, <clears throat> The guys that were with me wanted to shoot it. It was about a 52-inch moose. And uh, so I said, it ran in the brush, and we had to get back to the boat because the storm was coming. So I said, oh, okay, I'll go over and run the moose out. So I dropped off the thing. I carried it in a case. And when I got down at the bottom, there's a stream down there, and there's two brown bears sleeping. And one was about an eight-and-a-half-foot brown bear, and the other was about nine-foot. Eight-and-a-half went down the stream. The nine-footer got over there, set, and was looking at me. And while he's doing that, I'm getting the rifle out. And uh, put one in because I don't put, have one in the chamber when right. I'm around sure. other people. Sure. I don't like them having anything. Yep. So yeah. anyway, Safety. the bear here, the bear came, and so I shot him, and it's on nine power. And uh, I, oh. hadn't, I didn't change it. <laughs> so I shot the bear. He went down. Just a blob of brown. Just yeah. <laughs> and he there. went down, and while he was down, I shot him again. As soon as I shot him, uh, I didn't have a third cartridge in there, so he oh, jumped no. up, and here he's coming at me. I pulled one off the stock, and I put it in. It's like slow motion. It's like when I wrecked my airplane one time. My son said, everything blacks out out here. It's your <clears throat> adrenaline closes off, and all you see is, is just right in front of you what you're uh, going to be fighting. And yeah, um, experience that. So anyway, 
uh, the here the bears come in. I dropped that cartridge. I re- reached down to pick it up. It's like in slow motion, but this is all happening fast. Oh yeah, yeah. It's and, a I, and so I realized I'm not going to be able to do that. So I pull one off the stock, sh- put it in, and he's closer than you are. He's about six feet away. Oh, as I God. close the bolt and I just fire from right here. I didn't even have time to aim. And I know I hit him in the in the right shoulder because he uh, he he dropped the right shoulder when I shot, and he otherwise he'd have ran over me. And he went right. To my left, that caused him to go to my left. Oh, he veered over. He veered over, mm-hmm. and then he just kept on going out. All I saw is his big butt uh, going through the brush. And the guys up top, whenever I fired the first shot, that moose came out, and they're all set up on a tripod, and they shot the moose. And then they came <laughs> down there. So, What's what the shooting hell about? are you shooting about? Why did you shoot a second time? <laughs> so. They said, and I came down there. He said, it looked like Jurassic Park because the bear was hitting stuff and it was all moving and everything. And oh, wow. They said my voice was a little high, so I don't know. Maybe it was. <laughs> <laughs> but honest, when I went to, back to the boat that night, when I, when I uh, laid down in the bunk, uh, it was about a 90 foot boat. And when I, uh, Skiff took us back. And uh, when I, <clears throat> first of all, we had to get all the meat out. And, but when I got on the boat, I laid, closed my eyes in that bunk. That bear was on my eyelids. I could see him. Yeah. Oh, I bet. And uh, got my attention. And uh, so from from that, I studied ballistics. And because of Weatherby, 300 Weatherby still shoots pretty good, but it's a 180-grain bullet. It's going really fast. And I talked to a um, um, blacksmith, not a blacksmith, what do you call him? Gunsmith. 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 Yeah. And he said, well, that 180-grain uh, nozzler coming out that fast at 3,400 feet per second, coming out at a close distance like that really doesn't hold together uh, like it should. It doesn't have a chance. Doesn't have a chance to expand, right? Yeah, and so I was looking at getting a 338, 378. So I still reach out there, and my and my guy, one of the friend my friends that lives outside, he's got all kinds of weapons, and he said, "You're not going to be happy with that. Is it'll knock your shoulder off? It'll cost you 150 dollars a box unless you uh, mm-hmm. uh, reload yourself." Yeah. And it doesn't even burn all the powder. And so I, I ended up getting a 340 Weatherby that's uh, actually two pounds lighter than my old Weatherby. has a mm. fluted barrel, come from HS Precision, <laughs> and it has stainless steel barrel and uh, uh, Teflon coated. And so uh, it's got a 26-inch barrel with a break on the end. And so it's oh, long. pretty long. Yeah. But, boy, I tell you what, that thing is accurate, and uh, it will shoot real good long distance. I shot five 600 yards. Uh, I don't. I don't Typically, they try to do that. But down, down at Kodiak shooting, I don't take a small rifle in Kodiak. Now, my son will shoot the 308 or something like that, but I carry, I call it the lumber bust. Uh, oh, yeah. That's 338. It's a, th- a 340 Weatherby, but it's a 338 is what it is. And with that, uh, is, that weather- sh- is that a 338 shortened down? No. Is that what it is? No, it's, it's regular Weatherby cartridge. They're long, and uh, it, car- it carries a lot of powder. And so it had. Uh, okay. It, I think the other weather, the 300 Weatherby with 180 grain had like. Um, well, the 340 ended up with about 1,500 pounds of knockdown power more. So what there's were more you shooting, like a 210 grain or something Well, like I shoot that? a 10, 210, but I changed okay. to a Barnes X. And uh, also so you, like can a shoot a two, you can shoot then? 250. Oh, wow. Grain. If you're in the bottom, you know. You know. Okay. I, I usually use 210. Yeah. And I had to shoot a bear again after that. It was about a, getting close to 10 foot, and it stacked it right up and rolled A, a Kodiak brownie? Yeah. Somewhere. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good answer, Lou. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. could, <laughs> wow, great stories, man. Thank you. I know, That's, man. That was, yeah. that was, yeah. That was amazing. Yeah. I want you to walk us through your process of writing and collecting 
all these photos and pictures for the first three and what your process is now after probably learned a lot on the first three right doing doing four and five I had about 20 guys read the books after I, you know, uh, had written them and stuff like that. And uh, and some of them were pre- uh, pretty smart guys. One guy was kind of like a professor, and he found like 375 mistakes. Once you make a mistake, you're typically going to do it over and over and over again, like T-O or T-O-O or uh-huh. uh, different things. Mm-hmm. And so... And I and I, I'm a little I was a little bit wordy. Uh, I tend to go uh, run on sentences and stuff like that, and um, maybe don't have the commas and the uh, semicolons in the right place. And so, and real uh, quick, Lou, are you writing the, these down I did. like physically, or, or were you oh, wow. speaking and I then someone else writing? I was not very good on a computer when I first started, so I okay. I've got I longhand wrote this stuff out. Now okay. I, have, I do have okay. typing skills because in high school we went through a typing class, and so I can. I probably get to where I can type 60 words a minute. Just um, old typewriter? Oh, no. I used to have the old typewriter. And I tell you, I, there's a world of difference between the old typewriters and, and tape and stuff like that and, and uh, you know, what your paper you turned into a professor. And now then, uh, now they, need, they even correct a lot of stuff, although it's not foolproof because it doesn't know the way you're saying things. is not, and it will try to correct stuff, and it's not, yeah, not and it'll, right. it'll yeah. highlight it, and it's not wrong. Yeah, but uh, so anyway, I, I've gotten a lot better at that. Got better at spelling, but the, uh, the it'll spell most the most stuff that's misspelled. Yeah. It'll call it to your attention, yeah. you know. Yeah. So correct. I uh, I don't write stuff out longhand anymore. I've gotten really good at being able to set it the thing and think. And I used to think that I couldn't think, and uh, <laughs> with a computer, and I had to write it out longhand. But then it's twice as hard, you know. Yeah. Now I can type it out, and you can change stuff. You can move it around. And, yeah, uh, you don't have yeah. to erase it or write exactly. with a pen and then scratch it out and then go to the next. Exactly. So yeah. it's it's a lot faster. I If I was redoing them, it, like it took me seven years, I probably could go back and do it in. Uh, 40 hours. <laughs> no. But it's still a, it's still a uh, uh, you know, a. Uh, process, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, it is. And it's, and it, uh, to begin with. It started out my stories, then I got on, like, say, the board of game and, uh, and, and met, meeting different people, and one person leads to another. And uh, So it's not it's all like, your stories, grew. correct? No, it's not. It's, it's other hunter stories, the, other hunters' exactly. uh, hunts. The first, vo- the first volume is about 23 of my stories that I put in there. And, um, and then the middle section, there's two guys that uh, – w- one good friend was a twin – and his uh, brother died in, a, in an, ax, uh, an avalanche when they were hunting on Bernard Glacier, which is that glacier there where the... On uh, the back here? Yeah. And uh, they were... They, Paul Claus took them in, and they landed in that uh, way up at the head of that, and they were coming out about the second drainage out. They're going up to, after a big ram. And they're about 30 feet apart, and Mike, who's still alive, stumbled, and he heard his brother say, run. And he, and he it, time he looked up, they were getting covered up with... Um, Ice and uh, boulders. Oh, so, and um, he luckily was in a uh, a pocket in there. His pack was mashed and stuff like that, but he didn't get hurt. So he's able saw daylight and stuff, and it took him about thirty minutes. He ended up getting uh, was able to get out, and now he's screaming for his brother. You know, as uh, they were real close, they both were about two hundred and um, uh, thirty pounds. They were, uh, played football in college. They're big, strong kids. 
And uh, so finally, he realized he's going to have to walk out. It's about 17 miles out and uh, along those glaciers and um, crossing streams and all that out front, <clears throat> which is a pretty tough go. So he left stuff in there in case his brother got out. Oh, supplies, some, some sort of. Yeah, listen, uh, yeah, it's a place to uh, sleeping bag and tent and some food. So he hiked out, got a hold of Paul Claus, happened, happened to catch him at a cabin. They flew back up there. They ended up getting a search and uh, rescue thing, but more of the mountain started caving off, and they mm-hmm. it, you couldn't land there. Uh, you couldn't land on the main glacier because it was too rough, Bernard Glacier. And Paul went up. They finally called it, called it off. And in the uh, spring of the next year, Paul went up, and he landed. Uh, there's a picture in there uh, in the middle of the book there, uh, volume one, I think it is. Yeah. Here, I'll try to get it for you if you want. And uh, they looked, and, and there was nothing. I mean, you, you think there might be a rifle or a, uh, a pack or frame or something like that, but it, it had all washed out, and either mm. it was gone. And so... Oh, I turned right to it. Oh, it's, wow. That's it's kind of interesting. Here's uh, Mike and his mother, who is blind, and there's his brother, Marty. Uh, they summited Mount McKinley uh, with his blind mother. Oh, wow. Here she is on a ledge that's only like six inches wide. She lost one of her poles, and Mike had to go down and retrieve it. And there's three of them. And look at their packs, old, uh, pre, yeah. pre-Barney packs. I mean, yeah. they, yeah. they are tough kids. And, uh, you know, she's blind. She just, <laughs> just goes up there with them, trusting them. Wow. They oh, summit in goodness. Mount McKinley. Um, there they are going up. There's Four Acre in the background. This is Windy Corner. Um, uh, there's the log house that he built. There's Mike sitting on top of the spar pole there. And um, Wow. How long do you think it'll take you to f- complete um five four and five well i've got about 1200 pages done now i'm just waiting for some other stuff to come in there's a 10 and a half foot brown bear that oh they got goodness. a couple of rams that they they got they wanted a, a boone and crockett ram and they would have gotten it if they had lived you know yeah but uh i was going to show you a pic- oh paul claus here's it's back here there's where they landed here's where they got covered up with the uh, the avalanche, avalanche. There's the stuff that broke off right here and covered them up. You can see how big some of that stuff's bigger than a car. Uh, that's actually the next year. So, I mean, there's stuff breaking off all the time. This glacier right uh, – let's see. It doesn't show it there. You see this glacier coming down here, and right down there is where they got covered up. Oh. There's where Paul landed. You, his, his plane is right there. Wow. There's the plane – Looking out, you can just barely see it right here. There's Paul. It's five miles down to where the. Uh, it doesn't look like it in that country because uh, depth perception is so, so massive, massive yeah. right? So he's a mile away from his plane. There his plane is. He landed on that glacier. Uh, you could take a uh, hundred pilots out of uh, Anchorage here that are have super cubs. Take them up there, and uh, and and, <laughs> and see how many would land there. Yeah. yeah, Mike had to get out and 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 while he kept the engine going and uh, put spikes and stuff in there to tether it so it wouldn't you know slide. slide. Right. So when they when they finished, went down there and couldn't find anything. He had to go back up. He got in the plane, revved it up, and everything. Mike jumped in, and they go up, and you turn around, and it's a one-way, right. in and yeah. out. You know? Right, right. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Paul's, wow. Paul's writing me a chapter. I've got about six guys. Paul's one of them. He's probably the best pilot uh, in small bush planes in the state. He's got a chapter on um, uh, bush flying. 
and I got six friends that are writing on that. And so I'm going to have a chapter on uh, a real big chapter on the history of taxidermy, and so Joe Romero yeah. being that, and then the probably the most interesting one. Paul has given me close to a thousand photos, and I've got uh, probably 150 from Ryan that are just knock your socks off uh, uh, photos. And so I'm going to have about 300 photos, live photos of, of the sheep and other animals that you see. Uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Sheep hunting. That's so. awesome. How many, how many um, copies have you sold of the first three? Uh, just about eight, 800. And I probably should, you know, a lot of people say I probably should go uh, into, uh, no, I've had probably a hundred people send me stuff and I don't know how many are, wanting to redo my website and one guy wanted it was going to cost me about two thousand dollars a month i said i what <laughs> I, I i couldn't i can't afford that i may as well give the books to you and let you have them you know yeah uh, yeah so who's, so the, who's the publisher the publisher is um um will the same publisher publish the next i'm i think so I, I, my wife says you haven't figured that out yet but, <laughs> i'm sure um, they will it's um Friesen Press out of Canada. Okay. But I think they have a, a, an area, they've gone into, I think Montana. They have, um, One of the gals that helped me at Friesen Press in um, um, Victoria, mm -hmm. that's where they uh, put them together. But they are actually printed in uh, Altoona, Canada, which is 50 miles across the border uh, from Mon in Montana. Upper between about 50 miles into uh, so it was a big a big deal i you know i thought i was just gonna write the books and it all happened but they wanted fifty thousand dollars to to ship the books to alaska to me fifty thousand how yep. many copies was the first order two thousand okay wow uh, how made, many pallets is that two thousand well, of these that's a lot. Yeah. 800 of them. I probably should have only uh, got 1,000, but I got uh, some guys said, oh, you'll sell, you'll sell 5,000. Another guy, I, another guy who writes sheep hunting books said, yeah, you know, you'll have no problem selling 1,000. Well, it's probably partly my fault in the, in the, because I got a lot of guys that are buying them and they're expensive. Yeah. But what people don't realize, and once they, they figure it out or see somebody else's, they have no problem with it. When, uh, I don't want to mention some anyone else's names, but uh, books. There are some really good other sheep hunting books out there, but there's 660 pages in the first volume, 630 pages in the second volume, and 550 in the third. If you take some of the other books that people are putting out with sheep hunting, and they're usually not just on one species, like this is just for doll sheep. Right. Uh, 250 pages. Uh, uh, for the whole book. Yeah, for the book, yeah. and they're 150 bucks. Right. So if mine is five or six times as big, times 150, I'd have to charge about 1000 bucks. Right. And my wife about fell over when I, and I, and I did as well. I didn't know how, what it was going to cost. I wanted it to be a collector's edition. So uh, it's got good paper in it. It's uh, They're all quality pictures. There's 1,289 photos, over 1,800, 1800 and something pages. <laughs> and uh, and that slipcase cost me $25,000 just to get the slipcase for 2,000 sets. I sh and here's the deal. If I bought 1,000, that's why I got the first break. Yep. If I bought 2,000, I got uh, quite mm -hmm. a big break. 3,000 yeah. more. And so then I had to play, uh, well, how many am I going to sell? I don't know yeah. uh, in the long run. So I thought, well, it was a big break on the second 1,000. So I ended up buying 2,000. If they're marketed better, maybe I would have already sold them all. 
but I and I tried to get uh, the place down in Canada uh, and 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 to try to get the uh, Wild Sheep Foundation uh, to. I told them I said, you, I'm not at this point. I'm over trying thinking I'm going to get get rich or make make any money. Uh, I just want to uh, break even, and I need. <clears throat> excuse me. It cost me two hundred thirty-four thousand to have two thousand sets published. Wow. Then it cost me six thousand dollars to bring them d- uh, down from Canada down to my daughter's in, in uh, Salt Lake. And they can only be stacked five high because if you get any more weight, they're 23 and a half pounds yeah. as it is, then it splits the, uh, the, the cover, the, cover right. the, the case there. So they brought them down there, and then I put them in a uh, two-fifth, uh, uh, I think they're 10 wide by 15 feet long, and put all of them in there, half in one side and half in the other. And they wanted 159 bucks for each unit per month. Okay. So then I decide that I, well, I want some books in Alaska. And so I end up renting a U-Haul and that same year to get them out of there. <clears throat> and I emptied up, I could only haul 500 sets in each, uh, each 26-foot U-Haul. Right. So I hauled two. Uh, the first one, it cost me about 4,500 bucks to t- bring them up. Next one, a little bit more. And so I went down this last summer because what, what they were doing is they knew I was out of state, and they were raising my my rent in there every about every month, and it was up cost me three hundred and eighteen bucks for for one unit. Whoa! And so I had my daughter go down there and take them out and put them in her name, and uh, t- change it over to her name, and it reverted back to like one sixty. Yeah, for but then every th- two or three months they started raising it back up oh again. Oh my gosh! And so I said, you know, enough of that. I, I so I went down, bought a ticket, went down, uh, and went over to the same place where I had rented these before. Filled all all the paperwork, and you know they wanted eight thousand dollars for to rent the vehicle, and I said, well, the last one I rented was seventeen hundred. Yeah. And she said, well, inflation. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I said, well, I'm going to have to rethink this. Uh, so I went home, and my son-in-law um, had a place that he stored stuff in, so we rearranged his deal, and uh, I got them stored uh, in the in the back of his place there. And uh, So so dang. real quick, guys, I, I just was kind of doing some math while you were talking there. What I'm gathering, and this doesn't include the rent. Right. To produce the books, two hundred fifty thousand. I got about two hundred eighty thousand tied up in it. At the time I paid uh, the rent down there for uh, all these years. Yeah, I didn't have the rent included, and uh, and going down. And I'm probably I need to go down and get those out of yeah. their their hair to begin. Uh, you know, I couldn't go down earlier because of the dog on COVID. I didn't get a right. COVID shot. Right. And. Mm believe in that yeah and yeah. uh so anyway uh, they uh, relaxed that so i could go down but then i um you know yeah. eight thousand bucks i said gee whiz you know no kidding sure so, so where can people buy them now well you can't order them off my website uh, you can get all the information there and everything but you, people usually call me and what i'm selling most of them is, is word of mouth uh, so other people see them and uh you know a lot of people said well i, I didn't realize there's so there's so, so much there 350 sounds like a lot, and it is for books. Yeah, there's kind of a sticker shock thing with that yeah. when you see that initial. But it's not a regular size book. No. I well, mean, this is more like a big, big, beautiful coffee table book right. times three. Yeah, it's like three dictionaries, damn near. You're, <laughs> I, I mean, the, well, just it is. the size. I, of it, yeah. I 
they wanted me to break it up into six books. And so I left it like this, and they are too big, really. And I had one guy who bought the set, and he said, he, he, you know, he come back and said, man, I really like the books. And he said, I, I, I'm reading them every night in bed. He says, the only problem is my arm gets tired. massive, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got this big, giant left arm. It's like, I'm trying to haul this thing up on a sheep hunt. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know, you talk about that. I had a girl, a gal. She's 46 or 47. She lives in Oregon, where I grew up, but she uh, is over in eastern Oregon. There's three mountains over there called the Three Sisters. They're volcanic. And so she bought the books just before Christmas in 22. And she, about three months later, she uh, emails me and she says, Man, I really like your books. And she said, Here's a picture. She had hauled them up to the top of uh, the one of the Three Sisters and took a picture of the other two sisters in the background. And I said, man, I, I don't know anybody that's read the whole, I do know a few people that's read the whole books, you know, all three of them, but never had anybody haul them up Physically on top of a mountain and, them up. And, yeah. and take a picture. So I said, do you mind if I use that in my next uh, book? Yeah, no problem, she said. So she's real quiet, and she says, by the way, I, have, I bought a sheep hunt. Uh, she's never hunted anything. She didn't grow up where the parents, uh, the parents were gone, but uh, she never, they didn't hunt. She didn't know anybody to go hunting with. So she bought a sheep hunt from the, a guy down one of these shows. And so Joe Romero knows the guy. He's Mahoney. And so uh, anyway, she, uh, I, so I told her, I said, well, when you're up here, uh, she knew somebody in Wasilla, some friends. And so and uh, Mott Mahoney, I think, lives somewhere there close. But then they, is the place where she's going to be hunting. So she bought a hunt in Alaska. Yeah. Right. So anyway, she bought the hunt, and uh, I, I hated to tell her that you know sheep population is really down. Yeah, and, right, right. And I'm not sure you know how you're gonna if you're gonna get one. I, so I didn't say nothing. I didn't want to discourage her. Right, right. Because she already bought it. So uh, I said, if you get one, you know, you, or if you have time, you're welcome to stop by the house. So she calls me up a couple days after the season started. She said, I got one first day, nice. and she said, uh, can I can I come over? Sure. So she comes over, and uh, she. Uh, uh, real quiet, and have to get everything out of her, you know. And I said, well, are you, you going to uh, write a story for me? Uh, um, you know, well, no. She says, you know, it really wasn't that hard. So we get to talking about different things, and uh, and she says, uh, she summoned Mount McKinley in 2016 or 17. Wow. And which kind of opened my yeah. eyes up. And then she's run uh, Mount Marathons uh, 10 times. She's done wow. that. And she... Uh, I, I never even knew the place existed, but they call it the, um, oh, heck, it's, uh, it goes from Canada to Mexico, and it's uh, called uh, some kind of a trail. It's 2,650 miles long. Yeah. The, oh. Something or other coast the, trail. And uh, oh, it goes the, through the, the mountains there. The Pacific Coast Trail. Yeah, that's yeah. it. And she uh, walked it or hiked it in 20, 158 days, averaging 17 miles a day and uh, with a friend. And so, the, you know, I said, holy cow. Yeah. I, was, uh, I said, there, there's a story here. You know, she's not a, she's not a, uh, what you call an Olympic athlete. She's just driven. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and so she said, I, I kind of think of myself as a modern day explorer. I like doing different things. So she has, rides a unicycle. And I got a picture of her riding the unicycle down um, in Colorado, down Pikes Peak Trail. Yeah. It's mountainous, you know. Yeah. And I said, holy cow, this gal is pretty interesting. And uh, so she's done other things, other races and, and whatnot. And, and she also hauled a watermelon. She's standing on top of the mountain, and here's this big watermelon <laughs> uh, with the three sister, two sisters in the background. Oh, that's so cool. Anyway, that's I got to cool. have a, a, that part 
a story in there about Absolutely. her. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, her one-day sheep hunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's great. Well, she said, you know, I'm a woman, and she said they thought they had to, they flew me up on the mountain, we landed, and, and there was 14 sheep, and we had five days before the season opened, so, so we just had to, you know, lay around and just wait. She said, I also bought a 6.5 Creedmoor and uh, took a shooting school, and she said, I could hit a golf ball at, three, at 100 yards. And she said, so we just, on opening day, we just, walk over there and i shoot the biggest one and uh you know they take care of it and uh, the plane la- uh, lands you know and all that and she said it was it really it was i thought it was gonna be more yeah know? yeah i yeah. thought she was gonna be in for you know a mount marathon or yeah a, or a take a watermelon up a mountain type right <laughs> or <a> unguided <laughs> she yeah right <laughs> so i thought it was kind of interesting the way she did things and prepared yeah. where sure. a, a lot of old she, guys she come up ready here for and it they're overweight and they don't they aren't ready for a hunt you know and she was so it's yeah. kind of neat what's that paper you brought there you got a well, bunch of facts i didn't know if anybody would ask questions but uh you know i got some you stats know, on there there's so much in these books that i i could read them and, and learn something again because you can't <laughs> you, you can't retain retain it all yeah for mm-hmm. sure uh the statistics chapter i spent probably three months uh, uh i mean from daylight to after dark my wife says, "You know, the dogs and I are suffering because of this uh, this book because I, you know, you yeah, paying yeah. attention to us, <laughs> right? But Coming to bed late. It's <laughs> uh, it's statistics from 1978 to uh, be till 23, or if I can get 23 in there, but and then it shows the averages, and then you know, one thing a lot of people think that there's more hunters today. Well, 2022 there was 1,856 hunters. That's residents and non-residents." And the high was 3,645 back in uh, 1991. So there's more hunters back then. There's less hunters. A lot of people have given up. Mm. And and there's even less non-resident hunters. But there are still more of them. They're still more successful. So we're taking fewer sheep. So their percentage is, is fairly high. You know, you know, compared to well, that's right. what the statistics I, I'm are. I'm curious what the statistic is on a um, non-resident hunt price. Oh, price in '91 oh. versus 2022. Okay, I give you a good idea. Uh, sure, when I first started, do. when I first started writing this these books, 2008, probably 10.5 was a. I don't think there'd be too many. Be a whole lot more than that. Mm-hmm. And here we are. Uh, what? 24. Uh, tw- 24 years later. I know one guy that got forty thousand last year in the Brooks Range, and, and I understand he's going to forty-two five this year. Wow! So there's people that will pay that, and um, and there's no limit. There is limit in some areas. Sixty-five percent of the uh, land is a federal land, and they have concessions on those, so they mm. have to come up with a certain. Only going to take so many. On the other areas, there's too many guides in there, and they're competing against each other, and there is no restriction. You can right. take. Yeah, like what's happened in 19. Right. Yeah. So anyway, um, I don't know if I answered your question there. but the, so Yeah, it, you did. No, you no, did, you, yeah. you did. You did. You did. I, I mean, because I was just wondering, you know, when. The same things happened. 2008, if it was 10.5, 1991, right. was it 3,500? And then, you Well, know, you know, I don't know what it was. Well, I do kind of. In the books, I have a, a deal. Um, I know my next-door neighbor, Earl Payne, he quit guiding in 88, but he was guiding, uh, the last year he guided, he got three Boone and Crockett Rams, and he was guiding up in the Taslina area in, mm. in that country. Um, Is that Wrangles? 
no, it's a two gauge. Two gauge. Oh, okay. It's between here and Glen Allen. Okay, yeah. But he um, he would drop off a, a, a non-resident hunt, a resident hunter for a hundred bucks, and I think <laughs> that a, a guy could come up here and hunt twenty-one days with him, and and get a sheep. You might not get them all, but they got a lot of the stuff. They get a sheep, caribou, moose, uh, maybe a bear. Get four, maybe four or five animals, whatever they could hunt in that length of time. But then if you're if you're after a sheep, a lot of times those are t- probably a ten-day thing. If you're after sheep, yeah. just only, I think most of the time it was ten days to two weeks, but they had he had twenty one day hunts, and so sometimes the guys would come in and, and go for all those different things. Right. Okay. And he yeah. was pretty successful at getting stuff, but he was uh, he was an old um, school guy. He didn't fly you out and spot nothing. You know, he oh. tells he, he tells uh, his uh, guys get your ass out there and hunt. You know, because the sheep are there, yeah. and he's not going to say, well, you know, the really big one is. Yeah. Way over here, right. you go out there and hunt, and you come back with what you can. Which that's a fair that's fair chase. That's yeah. the best. Yeah. yeah. Well, when, oh, when those are really expensive hunts, like the forty eight thousand, are do you think that the clients being sold on like a particular sheep in an area? Well, you know, I, I think it was forty eight thousand. I think forty forty thousand. So uh, that's probably the, the top. I think yeah. I, I think I know that gal paid like twenty five. Right. I think twenty five is probably going to be pretty close to the the bottom now. Oh, I bet. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so the average is going to probably be thirty or more. And when people uh, people are still coming, even though the population is right. down, yeah. um, are they feeling the pinch? Like the the opportunities starting to decrease. So it's like, I'll pay forty for a sheep. I'll pay thirty for a, a moose. I'll pay fifty for a brown bear. Like I I want to. I want these trophies. I'm going to pay this money. Like, I Maybe. Mean, I, guess, I guess if people have the money. and uh, There's always enough money. And so if your size is down and that's what you're taking, I, I can't say that. The one reason why I don't want to hunt internationally is I'm, <coughs> who am I? You're going to take me away. I don't have millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. So they're probably going to expect me to just shoot something, the first thing that we see that's legal, and I wouldn't like that. Mm. Uh, they want to get me in there and get me out. Yep. We want I, th- the I think some of that happens here, but on the other hand, it isn't necessarily all the guide uh, that does that. I think more so up here, it's the client. You have a lot of people who are big-time guys that um, have their phones, and they got their business, and they got to get back to that, so they want to come up here. Not all of them, but they want to – have you have the sheep spotted, know where it's at. When I come into camp, they want you to have him on the next day, and when it's time legal to shoot, they want to be able to pull the trigger. They want to be coming out, and they want to go home. Yeah, yeah, yeah back to business. So they're not getting the experience, yeah. you know. Yeah, uh, yeah. why true. even go? Well, we're, no. we're getting long in the tooth here. I had two questions. Yep. Um, are you guys good? I, I want to – there might be kind of almost rapid fire, not speeding you up on your answers, but there's two things I wanted to ask you. Uh, number one – Hardest hunt, hardest sheep hunt ever. What year, what ram, description? Well, I might have to go. Uh, somebody asked me at the, uh, out there at the uh, uh, ale house. You know, I look back in the, they're, 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 a lot of them are tough because I didn't have very good gear. I, um, where the sheep ended up, I, I was with my wife. I'm packing out two rams. Uh, I'm packing out a lot, you know, and they're getting hung up in the alders. We went through straight through the alders before I really figured them out. 16 miles or 
16 hours to go through three miles of alders and I, i've got two ram, uh, rams on my back and they're getting caught up and stuff and i'm on the ground she's pulling the, uh, the alders out the the that's hard that was a hard hunt the horns cape and meat i had a i had about 150 pounds and uh, 16 hours through three yeah miles of alders right i'd say that qualifies a little <laughs> maybe the hardest one ever. <laughs> yeah, that was that was hard, but I was uh, you know, and then the other one the, I already told you L5 that five might have something to say about those. Oh, I'm sure it did. <laughs> My knees. Well, I'll tell you another one. Uh, I the church I went to, they gave me a, a lot of a hard time about going by myself. They mm. were worried about me. Yeah. So there's a young kid in there from high school. He wanted to go sheep hunting. And so he took a 30-30 from his dad, and he was uh, he was wiry, and I thought, okay, he's a sophomore. And he probably weighed about 140 pounds, maybe 150 maybe. And so we, we go up icicle, and uh, we cli- it was snowing, and uh, we climb up into the snow. I show him a ram about 150 yards away, 100 yards away. He's underneath a rock sleeping. And I said, shoot it. You know, and it was a, it was a nice ram. It was 38 inches. So... He, he empties the rifle. I have to back up because it looks like, you ever seen the rifleman, the guy that used to yeah, you know, oh shoot yeah. that thing, you know? <laughs> boom, 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 boom. He never even touched it, you know, so I killed the, and he was out of ammunition. The ram was about to get away, so I shot it. And so uh, we're going down the hill in the snow. I just quartered it out. Didn't take the head out because I didn't want to get out of the snow. We go down to the, to the rock, and uh, it's not snowing down there. And there's a 38-inch a, a ram, because uh, he ended up shooting it, came down up the head of the glacier, came down, uh, almost down to the, the moraine there. And, and I said, here's my rifle. Just, I'm, I'm taking care of this stuff here, boning it out and skinning the head out. So I thought I'd just give him my rifle and let him go up after it and take some time. So he gets up there, and he gets underneath the curve of the mountain. The ram is coming on down, and, he, and it doesn't see him. And he goes, comes up like this here, and he comes up with about 150 yards from it. He shoots it and breaks his back on the third shot, and it falls down right there almost at his feet. So I took, I just dropped what I was doing and grabbed my pack and, and, and headed and a knife and stuff like that that I needed, and I headed up the, uh, and I picked up his coat on the way up he had a red jacket i picked up his pack and when i finally got up there it took him an hour and a half to get up there and i got there in about 30 minutes mm-hmm. and it was getting late it was 10 30 at night and uh so i uh, I, I quartered it out uh, cu- uh took the cape off and cut it off here at the head and it was midnight and so we you just barely see uh ahead of you and and we started out along the edge of the moraine had a it came up like this and it lipped out like that so you could walk down here pretty good so i got down far enough where i thought we could drop over and, and go down but it was uh, that hard pack stuff you know you just can't dig into right. i started sliding down the mountain and uh and i could see rocks sparks flying from the rocks and i so i hollered back to him i said go ahead go go, go above that rock well, it was too late he's sliding down the mountain he slid past me and we hung up about 50 feet apart Lost his glasses, and uh, so uh, anyway, we stayed there the rest of the night. I didn't have a flashlight back in those days. I right. should, should have had one. Yeah, didn't have one. So it was too dangerous to. You're not to, supposed to be out that late. Yeah, right. <laughs> so we uh, did exercises and stuff on the mountain. I've done that about four times uh, over the all the times that I've been out doing that. And uh, it, luckily, it was always a start at night, and it wasn't uh, raining or yeah. extra mm. cold. <clears throat> yeah. So anyway, we uh, next morning about four o'clock, you can see well enough. Went down, went down to the rock, 
and I didn't even take time to peel his head out. I just finished boning him, threw all the stuff in. That was Sunday. I needed to be out to school on Monday. Sure. So we uh, we head down the hill. I think he had about 85 pounds or maybe something like that. I had all the scope and all the other stuff and uh, probably about 120 pounds. And then he couldn't uh, handle it all. We got down about two or 300 yards down the, the stream there before you start heading up into the alders. <clears throat> he couldn't handle it. So I, I took his head, which I should have taken time to peel it out. I didn't. So it weighed about 35 pounds. I put it on my pack. And we uh, headed on down. Uh, so, so now you're 160? 150? Well, 100, I end up with 153 pounds, not yeah. counting my rifle. If you count my rifle, it would have been over. <laughs> I just put it 160. 163. Yeah. 160. So we get down to the last drainage where you can get water. And uh, a lot of times there's snow and stuff in there. I saw a set of horns down that I couldn't pass up there. Oh, is come it, on, Lou. It, <laughs> it was, I can haul 175. He was, he was 13 years old, and 13 and a half, but 14 really. And so I made him pack out one horn, and I threw the skull, uh, tied the skull on mine, and I pa- packed the other horn in my other hand. Just smelling it all the way down? Well, no, it was, it, it, it was a couple years old. Oh, okay, it was okay, totally yeah. clean. <laughs> it, it was a really nice ram. It's it's on that uh, that beam at the far end. Uh, okay. No, it's not. I put it on one of the packs up top. It's only thirty three inches, but it's it's it's, it's broomed off really big. It's, it's a nice ram. Nice and old. Anything that's really old, uh, you know, gets twelve years old is a trophy. Oh, so yeah. you got two of the hardest hunts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, w- one more, just quick. You've been over fifty sheep hunts, I think, right? Yeah. You ever been rescued? Close call. You ever had one of those situations? Well, my wife has a saying that God takes care of fools and idiots, and I qualify in both cases. <laughs> and I have fallen that 300 Weatherby and one in the, uh, one in the 70s, probably around 1975. I um, I couldn't even near do that now today. I took off from the visitor center and I walked up the mountain and I was at the rock in five hours. And flew uh, up there. Wow. yeah, and I was tired. I mean, I, you know, but when I got and I didn't even look up, on, uh, you know, really, I just headed down to the stream to get some water. And when I got down the stream, I, I was looking up as I was filling up my canteen. I had my army canteens. I look up there and here's three big rams and they're all over 40. So boy, I tear up to the rock, get my rifle out and they had already took off up and they were along. I missed them. And so I just, um, uh, that was the end of that day, I think. So the next morning, I just took off. Thought I'd find them up there, and on the way up there, it was snow is snowing. And on the way up, I uh, I'm hunting, hunting in late September. I used to like to hunt that way because the big rams are kind of coming down. Everybody else is done. Yeah, I like, like the, that late hunt. I like the longer coats. So anyway, I don't like the snow necessarily, but sometimes you have to put yeah. up with that. So I get up there and it's snowing, and I run into this uh, heavy 38 inch ram. I got to be out the next day, so I shoot it. I didn't yeah, make you know, a decision. You know. Yeah. So I shot it. It slid down the mountain, uh, probably a quarter mile. I mean, just because of that snow, and mm-hmm. it slid out of the snow, and it landed just on the edge where you about a two hundred foot drop off, right into the alders. So I got down there and I tied it up to some uh, alders, and uh, so I was skinning it out and. Um, I was throwing the, there's a little ledge down here like this. So I was taking the quarters. It wasn't boning it, taking time to bone it out because I need to get out of there. 
uh, and so I was throwing these over to this ledge, and one of the front quarters bounced over oh, it, no. 200 feet down into the alders. So I got the uh, the rest of it uh, in my pack, and I, and I was afraid I was going to slip because there was still snow where I was at, even though it was snowing at the time. So I, um, I had three shells in my back pocket, and I have it in a case. And so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about ready to slip, you know, and I'm going down the hill forward. And uh, so I got my butt real close to the ground. And about that time, I think my, I'm going to slip. My feet went out from under me. Oh, I, I dropped the rifle. I jumped, and I caught on that last ledge just before you go over, and I grabbed a hold of some little alders. And, and so I didn't go over. And my rifle came down, and it was broken. Uh, it busted in the, at the stock, you know, where it's weak. And so that's uh, the weather before I got a um, mm-hmm. one of the newer stocks. It had the you know the walnut, so it's broken right there. It just broke it right in half. It comes down it it uh, like a scarf around my neck. <clears throat> Otherwise, it could have bounced over as well. So I was pretty well spent, and uh, and so I uh, I think I did that. If I look back, I think I did that all one day. I went up there in five hours, and then I went up there and shot that sheep. And I came down there and it's getting about towards dark, and I had to do stuff fast. And so, and that might have been another reason why I slipped, but, but it was slick. Yeah, kind of cutting corners or yeah. just maybe. Hurry. Yeah. And so I, I, and and I, I at this point I don't I don't care if I get the sheep out of there or not. I just want to get out alive, you know. Yeah. So I slipped, I fell, I grabbed that thing. So there's a little ledge where I could work my way down. I got down to where, oh, actually I didn't have my pack. I, I threw it over with the meat in it, and uh, so I got down there. I put the pack on, put the quarters in there, and uh, I. Uh, I took off down for the rock, and um, so I, I never retrieved that. I was going to come back up and retrieve that. Uh, uh, I was just going to leave it, that one that bounced over the mountain. But the next day, after a good night's rest, you you feel <laughs> rejuvenated. Yeah. yeah. And then I go back up and get yeah. it. But yeah, you want to finish. You that was a you know. Right. There's very few sheep hunts that doesn't have some aspects in it where. Gets a little sketchy. Yeah, it gets yeah. a little hairball. Yeah. yeah I was just so, curious if you had any. One I other mean, time, all those hunts, you know. A friend of mine came up here. And we climbed the top of the mountain, 7,500 feet over here, went along the edge, and the ram that he was, was, was after, it was real hot. And that ram had gone down, was laying on a glacier, down, some ice, what a glacier. Well, this snow is still left over. And uh, he had a 30-40 Craig. It was a terrible rifle. And so he shoots that thing, and he wounds it. And the sheep is running down uh, underneath us here like this. And so I take off, and it's that really Hard rock. It's more like you find down in um, Yellowstone Park, and it's slick, and it's, uh, there's no shale and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, man, I lines. yeah, I lost my footing. I started sliding down the thing. I'm laying on my pack, and I'm digging my heels in, and I'm bouncing, and oh, I uh, and for- and I finally my heels dug in, and boom, I stopped. If I'd have bounced about two, another two times, I think I would went over. So that, that was another time. It was real close. And uh, but it happens fast, and, sure, you know, yeah. and so we get down there, shoots the ram, and um, and we spent the night up on the mountain uh, on that one again. So, and then though that wasn't over, so that's his ram. It's thirty nine inches, and so then the uh, we uh, spent the night on the mountain, got water out of a snowpack, and then uh, the next morning I said, "Well, you go ahead and bone it out." And I'm going to take uh, the cape I caped it out of. So I'm going to take it down to the rock because I spotted another really good ram across the valley up. And so uh, probably the longest shot that I ever made. Lucky shot. So anyway, I go down 
and I eat a hamburger. I carried some uh, hamburger meat in there. <laughs> I made up a hamburger, and I ate it while he's up there doing that. He comes down, and I got a couple hours sleep, and uh, and he. Uh, so then I take off, and I go up after that ram. So I get up there, and uh, the ram. I couldn't see him once I got up in the mountain. There, it's. Uh, I'm shooting at an angle about like this. The mountain. I mean, it comes down almost like this, right down to the glacier. I know that he was 1,500 feet up by the map over here, this perpendicular here, 1,500 feet up. And I'm shooting, and so, but I can't see him. So I fire a couple shots up in there. He doesn't come out. So I said, well, that's it. So I turn around, I start walking back towards a rock, and I just glance back over my shoulder, and he walked out on a point. <laughs> so there's a big rock right there, so I just pulled the Weatherby out. I'm shooting at a fairly stiff angle, so it was... I'm guessing it was close to a half mile. And uh, I, of course, it's that steep of an angle. And I shot, I'm aiming over him. The third shot that I, and and, and nothing happened. On the third shot, I don't know how much I was aiming over. Probably a a body or two body lengths over the top of him. Just lobbing. Yeah, I was. You know, I was hoping. And uh, (laughs) and, and it's probably something you shouldn't do, but, I mean, you really shouldn't. In hindsight. But uh, I hadn't killed that many, and it was really nice. It was a heavy ram. It was was 39, but it was heavy. And so um, I ended up, um, his was 39 and a half, mine was 39. That ram fell off. Well, I, I wasn't sure if I hit him or not, but he he looked funny, and all of a sudden he just pushed, jumped out in the air like I mean, just fell out in the air, and he hit five times. Boom, boom, boom. And the reason why I know it's five times, I didn't necessarily count them, but Larry, my bu- a friend back there at the oh, thing, he had a good view. He was looking at it through the <laughs> spotting scope. He said he hit five times. When I got over there, he was split from his here down. Guts were laying out. His esophagus, about a foot of his esophagus was uh, was out there. And, the, you know, that white sputum-like yep. stuff was on the esophagus. His heart was laying out. All I had was a uh, one of those little instamatic cameras with the cubes that you turn like yeah, that. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's late at night, and and the pictures didn't turn out. Oh, I'm and, sure. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, that was, it was dramatic, and a lot of people wouldn't have liked the looks of it anyway. But I salvaged most of the meat. I mean, you could pick his height up and, and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, the, the cape was no good. And the, yeah, the bottom part of the horn here on the right-hand side, left-hand side, left-hand side, it broke out a piece about this thick and about that long and didn't break it all the way off, but close. Oh, wow. 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 Dang. So that was not there. Yeah. Some are a little tougher. Some, compel, some compelling yeah. stories. I mean, man, I think we could sure. sit here for about eight hours. Oh, yeah. No, I, mean, I, I, just, I had those two questions. I was like, man, I just I got to squeeze yeah. these in. This so. is the first of volume with Lou. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Volume one. Yeah, on we're going yeah, to have to have you in like four more times. Yeah. <laughs> well, Lou, thank you for coming in and chatting with us oh, and, and taking yes. the time to share your experiences and your history and your knowledge and all the time and money that you spent on <sighs> on these books so, that, so that people could check it out. Oh, that looks great. That's it. That's a full, the one that I did the five on, it was a full set of horns. Oh, that, Is that okay. a carving? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I'll have beautiful. to have you share that with us. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Lou, thank you for coming oh, in and spending hey, the time. Pleasure. We appreciate it. Any yeah. last comments, guys? Uh, I just want to thank you for your time, Lou. I know you that a lot of people reach out to you, probably calls, emails, random pop-ins to the house, and you invite people out to the house. Uh, we're incredibly honored to have you here um you you know we're we're all sheep hunters um you know we probably got into it a little later than 
we w- would have liked, uh, well, given the, yeah. what the glory days were. Uh, well, but it's really fun to listen to those good old days, and mm-hmm. and you you can almost the way you tell stories. Number one, you're a great storyteller. You can envision yourself in the situation, almost like a, a like a fly on the wall. Hmm. witnessing these stories and uh uh thank thank you for your time thank you for your the work that you've done um and the time you've put into this and i know that it's all for the passion and love of sheep and thank you for that you're welcome yeah um the website yeah the website's uh rampages uh one two three mm-hmm. and you can't purchase them off of there but the information is on there and um <clears throat> my phone number and uh or my email and and people are you know they can save 30 bucks is when i first started out it was 21 dollars or something to ship these and i've been charged 30 dollars because uh it takes me quite a while to open them up and sign them and sure put them back in yeah and then the drive them down to the post office thing, and everything. Yeah. now then it's uh, like almost 30 is 20 almost 29 bucks uh, to send them but, uh, you know, add that added on top. And, of course, you know, like guy, poor guys in Canada, I sent one to uh, to USSR, and uh, it was $201. And they got there real fast. Uh, one thing they asked me is, is there anything in here against the government? You know. <laughs> 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 then I just That's sent cool. one to uh, uh, Austria, and it was $162. And then they pay $62 uh, tax, you know, like. Import you, tax? Yeah, import. If you ever mm. go socialistic and look at Canada, uh, you know our dollars like a buck thirty compared to theirs. So they if they pay three fifty for these things, time they end up, uh, and then they have to pay thirty three bucks when they go pick them up. They get like six hundred bucks tied up in them, you know. So a lot of guys, wow. you know, draw the line, or yeah. they yeah. some of them have a place across the border that they yeah send it to <laughs> yeah, yeah, send right. the mule over. Call right. that the plug. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, thank you, Alaska. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Lou, for sharing your time. Uh, Rampages one two three. If you want to check out the information, get a hold of Lou. Um, Four and five will come out probably Christmas of next year. It's supposed to come out this okay. Christmas, but I just couldn't get it done. Okay. okay. All right. We'll be Sweet. looking forward to that. Jackie, stay wild, Alaska. You remember my speaking to you of what I call your overcautiousness. Are you not overcautious? When you assume that you cannot do what the enemy is constantly doing? The Alaska Wild Project podcast is brought to you by the following sponsors. Barney Sports Chalet, supplying hunters with the best hand-selected gear since 1963. The exclusive home of Frontier Gear, built for the rugged Alaskan terrain. Your one-stop shop for all your outdoor needs. Visit Barney's today at 906 West Northern Lights. Big Rays, the Alaskan outfitter, committed to outfitting Alaskans across the state since 1947. Whether you're a recreator, parent, guide, or corporate buyer, Big Rays has the gear you need, tailored for Alaska's harsh conditions. Check out their new exclusive line of aerobic waders. Big Rays, for all your outdoor gear and rugged work attire. BigRays.com. Tailored Restoration 24-Hour Emergency Home Services. Helping Alaskans restore their dreams since 1972. Services include fire, water, mold, post-emergency cleaning, repair, and remodeling. Give them a call in Anchorage, Eagle River, Matsu, or Fairbanks. Hit them up at tailoredrestorationalaska.com. Total Truck and Alaska Overlander. Alaska's premier supplier for custom automotive accessories and overlanding products providing all-inclusive rental vehicles and trailers custom outfitted to explore the Alaskan backcountry with a unique and convenient traveling experience. 
thetreehouseak.com, located at 341 Boniface Parkway, Alaska's own and grown cannabis and CBD store. Ask the bud tender what the strain of the day is to get your 10% off. The Treehouse, where the culture lives. AKO Farms, located in Sitka, Alaska, built from the ground up with concentrates as their single motivation, with exclusive products such as their sugar wax, full-spectrum diamond sauce carts, and more. Ask your local bud tender about AKO. Marijuana has intoxicating effects and may be habit-forming and addictive. Marijuana impairs concentration, coordination, and judgment. Do not operate a vehicle or machinery under the influence. There are health risks associated with consumption of marijuana. For the use of only by adults 21 and older. Keep out of the reach of children, and marijuana should not be used by women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. Lawn Pro AK, Alaska's year-round professional property maintenance team. Services include weekly lawn care, custom landscaping, fertilizing, weed control, turf repair, and more. Schedule your free estimate at lawnproak.com. Alaska's OG Cider Company, Double Shovel, crafting gluten-free colonial-style ciders, founded as a healthier non-inflammatory brew option. Drop by their pop and tap room in Anchorage off of 58th and Arctic or visit the second location in Kodiak. Double Shovel, award-winning ciders. Alaska Mining and Diving Supply, located in Anchorage, is our go-to for powder sleds and utility rigs. Whether you're in the mountains with the flat bill bros, running trap lines, or hauling freight, they have the selection to get you dialed from peaks to the valleys. Find them on Commercial Drive or akmining.com. If we never try, we shall never succeed. This proposition is a simple truth. And it's too important to be lost sight of for a moment. If we cannot beat the enemy where he now is, we never can. It is all easy if our troops march as well as the enemy. And it is unmanly to say they cannot do it.